Bottom of the second inning, no score, and the subject is Mike Matheny. Matheny, 44 years old, come the end of September, born in Ohio, lives in Missouri. But he was not even 18 years old, and he came to the University of Michigan with a major league dilemma. Earlier that summer, the Toronto Blue Jays had drafted a catching prospect in the 31st round, but Matheny decided to honor his college commitments, but he had a lot of doubts. Getting drafted was a dream come true, and if he waited till later on, the next time the offer would be less or not forthcoming at all. So, he was a young man, not 18, and a lot of pressure. Should I turn pro or go to college? Major League Baseball rules allow players to sign with teams up until the player officially enters college full-time. That's the key, full-time. Anyway, Matheny showered, ready to go to class for the first day, walked out of the dormitory, stomach knotted, and a pigeon defecated directly on his head. Now, conventional wisdom would suggest the bird bombing was a sign that he should hit the road. But Matheny had to go back and clean up. The pitch to Uribe, a strike, 0-1 the count. He went back and showered and cleaned up and decided all of a sudden he was at peace. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to go to college. And there was one other thing that happened. The strike one pitch swung on and missed, 0-2. Matheny went to his first class, and when he reached class, he noticed a pretty field hockey player named Kristen. And he would marry her and live happily ever after. And that's the story of Mike Matheny and the bird poop. We haven't even seen Josh Jacobs like ever in the preseason. Seeing this is brand new, but then Josh McDaniel saying after the game that he likes to give all his running backs some playing time in the preseason. He likes to see what they're made of. So I'm not going to read too deep into it. I'm going to think more that it's just Josh McDaniels trying to get a feel for his new offense, this new team that he has. So I'm not going to make too much of it. Would not be the least bit surprised if they are showcasing him to either be a part of the Raiders team or be a part of somebody else's team. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Everyone these days has an opinion. Butthole or podcast. And all of them stick. Except for this one. Welcome to Just Your Opinion, Man with Stephen Lankford and Derek Papa. Stephen! What flavor of chicken wing do you think Mark Davis was eating last Thursday? Is there like a lettuce wrap flavor that he could try? I don't know. What, the Pia Chang's flavors? <laughs> no, I don't know, man. He seems like a, just a regular... I wouldn't even... I, I'd take him as a guy that doesn't even have wings with sauce, like any sort of condiment or dry rub or anything, just a classic wing with nothing on it. That's what I, t- that's what I, that's what I think. Just plain old wing? Just plain wing. Ugh. Nothing on it. Well, we, we, we all know he's a Hooters guy. So mm. they, they actually they, they don't put a lot of sauce on their wings from what I remember. They will. will the, when we went, they didn't put any sauce on the wings. We had to do it on our own. Remember? That's right. And I don't care yeah. for that. Yeah, Lazy I didn't either. Hooters. I wasn't a fan of that. Like, I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Like dip, like pour the sauce on the wing first and toss it myself. No, do it first. Exactly. Yeah. Just lazy. That's why. Uh, that's why um, Wingstop does it the best. Mm, yep. 
Well, not really. You know, there's a new place. I'm kind of I'm not even going to Wingstop anymore. What? I yeah, I haven't been to Wingstop in a while. Steven, you were going there like twice a week. I was going there once a week, Derek. All right. Thank you very much. But yes, you got to mix it up with Taco Bell every week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a place called uh, Fire Wings. That's what it's okay. called. Yeah. The wings are like every single time. They're perfect. Wingstop. Some batches are good. Sometimes you get like what feels like the bottom of the tray, you know, like the leftovers. So, yeah, I don't know. I, it's Fire Wings always has perfect ones. So I go there now. Okay, well, maybe we have to hit that place up when we do uh, Windsor Wangs this mm-hmm. season. Welcome, everybody, just your opinion, man. Stephen Langford, Derek Papa, we apologize. We were going to do a show yesterday, but right before kickoff, Stephen, I guess, uh, tore his ACL. And if we're doing football analogy here, what happened right before we were about to do the show yesterday, Stephen? So I've talked at, at nauseum about the upstairs smell. Well, now that lady's gone. I heard I, 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 I heard uh, through mutual friends that you no longer have to worry about that. Yes. The the hoarder. What is that what you guys talk about when when I'm not around? Yes. We we, we talk about you and your hordes. <laughs> um, but no, she's gone and they had to replace all the carpet. So on Friday, What'd she do to the carpet, dude, she let her cats just go to the bathroom everywhere oh, all over the God. carpet. I want to I want to get to that a little later, too. But go ahead. Yeah. And. She uh, it's to the point where they need to replace it. And it's just nonstop hammering. It feels like they're about to hammer through the ceiling. Like it really does. It feels like something's going to fly, going to drop through there. Um, So yesterday we were going to record at 12 and then they literally just started doing it at 1150. Wasn't right. Wasn't right. Don't, don't, don't care for that. And that's why uh, I I, I can feel your pain when, uh, you live on a lower level, and someone above you is making a lot of racket. That used to be me in my apartment in West Hollywood. And then when I moved here, I demanded the top floor, so I would never have to hear that shit again. So you're the one that's causing the racket. I am now. When I have my swiveling chair, that's me. <laughs> in, your, in your two treadmills? and Just the one, Steven, but I don't want to be an asshole, so I don't use it. Oh, okay. Well done. Yeah. I don't know. I, we, I, uh, they don't even warn us. Like they didn't even say anything. They yeah, they got to do that. I mean, any any loud maintenance going on, there has to be a warning Something. for the residents. We didn't even know. Like all of a sudden, yesterday, they just start hammering through. They're playing music up, and clearly the speakers on the ground because you could hear it right above the ceiling. It's terrible. But anyway, that's why you see a little bit of sun under my eyes is because I've been having to go out to the pool for the last two days just to get away from this place. Just a nap. Just to chill. Yeah. Just to chill. Do something other than sitting here and listen to the hammering. It's terrible. Well, how early you got to wake up, too? You need a tasty nap in, during the day, so that always well, sucks, too. Yeah, well, you know, filling in for Bonte, waking up a little earlier, but still, 4 o'clock is not exactly a great hour to wake up at. So, cats. Uh, I saw Guy Haberman tweet this out where he was talking about uh, people that just let their cats roam are terrible people. So... Was this woman who was hoarding the cats, uh, like, what? were they all just stuck in her apartment? Or, like, how many cats are we talking about here? No, they were stuck in their apartment. I don't even know how many cats. It's, uh, I yeah, really so don't. She, she had, like, a trash pile and a bunch of cats. Yes. Yes. And just I mean, that's, them, just, that's just so stereotypical of, like, a crazy cat lady. Let them do their business all over wherever they wanted to. And like, that's why I think the smell was going into different parts of our apartment. One day it'd be next to the couch. One day it'd be 
in our sink next to the bathroom. Ew. One day it'd be in the bathroom. Yeah. So it was just roving uh, smell. Yes, but it'd only be in one specific spot. Oh, that's gross as hell. It is, man. It really Where do you is. come down on cats that roam? I'm okay with it, but it's, it's uh, you know, it's risky. It's risky, man. You got to, because if it's your cat, it's your cat. And if they, you know, meet a creature or something outside at night and they can't fight it, and, you know, they get maybe get a scratch or maybe get injured, and then you have to go and pay money. I don't know if that's worth it, but you also got to let cats roam, though. Cats do whatever they want. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not for that, and that's why I don't like cats. Because uh, when I was living in West Hollywood, uh, my roommate's friend wanted uh, their cat to stay with us. And this cat was not a friendly cat. This this would be the type of cat that, and I'm I'm not a good cat person. Mm. So this cat would get up in above the refrigerator, get into like a little crack area, Oof. and then when you went to go get water at night, you just see their eyes just stare at you, and then you just hear like a hissing sound, just scare the shit out of me. This yeah. cat would just just walk all over the place, walk on the stove tops. It was just gross, and uh, yeah, I hate cats. Not a, not a cat guy. There was one cat when I was living in college that was like the apartment cat. He would just roam around the apartments. Everyone knew the cat. Like even when he came into the apartment one time, which he did, we you leave the door open, they're gonna come in, and uh, and we let it in. Sometimes fed it every now and then, and I got really sad because we had to go home for summer, so we left the apartment, and uh, we get back and we see the cat again, and the cat is thin as hell, like bony. Damn. So yeah. clearly no one had fed it when we were gone. And it's like, who the hell owns this damn cat? Yeah, man. And so Just now I, cat. I don't even know what happened to it. Damn. Sad. Yeah. I mean, mm. good, for, good for you, but I have no patience for cats. Say, same said cat. So during that time we were watching that cat, I had the second uh, vaccine and I wasn't feeling well. So I was just eating oatmeal and this cat blocked the microwave. So one day, just out of pure anger, I just hurled the packet of oatmeal at the cat to get the fuck out of my way. You're Jeez. a cat. Jeez. The cat was in the way. Move, cat. And the cat's like, like you know, hissing at me and trying to hit me. I was like, about to, about to, about to punch this cat. Like, <laughs> like the, uh, the, the news team in Anchorman. Oh, find my the barrier. God. Yeah. God, yeah. And you're going to treat it like Anchorman with the, or Jack Black with the dog and just punt it off. I would have drop kicked that cat. Definitely. That was a bad cat. <laughs> That's you know, how I, 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 I no longer live with those roommates, so I can talk about that cat all I want. That cat sucked. Anyway, walk. Yeah, you walk, but you you do kind of like a walk off. That's how I roll. Yep, exactly. <laughs> your cat, know your fucking place. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, how much we actually got football to talk about? Speaking of which, oh, let's do this now. Let's announce what? this. You and I were you and I were mulling this over to one podcast. It's a good idea by you. I think we should do it. I think both of you us are in agreement. Ladies and gentlemen, starting the first week of football season, September 11th, Stephen and I will be doing a pregame show right on here called Just Your Pregame Show, Man. Similar title, see? And we're going to be on from 8 to 9, and we'll do one hour of uh, picking games, doing spreads, all that stuff. And we'll be with you before every NFL Sunday. And then, uh, yeah, we'll have an hour to go where we need to be to be uh, watching the game. So excited for that, Stephen. Yes, the pregame show, it's very easy, very simple. Give people something to wake up to because, look, man, pregame shows nowadays, I got respect for everyone at CBS and Fox, whatever, but their pregame shows and ESPN, but their pregame <laughs> shows are all the same. 
So you know what? Let's do a live podcast every morning. Give give people a little something different. Give them the real um, and give them people who actually watch the games. So that'd be good. There you go, man. We'll be there. Uh, we'll be here, I guess, in our respected areas coming this Sunday or not this Sunday, but this NFL Sunday season. So look forward to that. As far as actual games being played, we got one last mm-hmm. Thursday, but it was all it was the Hall of Fame game. Kind of a tease. How much of the game did you watch, Steven? Uh, none. <laughs> I you didn't watch all. No, because I was out. I went to the Giants Dodgers game and, you know, the Hall of Fame game was happening at the time when I was on my way home. So I caught the highlights, but I didn't watch any of it live. So you didn't see Josh Jacobs in two series? No, I saw that. I saw that. What do you think about that? Um, well, I don't know. At first, well, first thought naturally that comes to mind is what is he fighting for a starting job as the running back? Like, what's he doing here? Because we haven't even seen Josh Jacobs like ever in the preseason. I even remember his rookie year. We had to wait till the Cardinals game. It was a third week against the Cardinals. It was the third preseason game against the Cardinals, I think. And Jacobs was out there for one drive. Then they scooted down the field. This was the only time we ever saw any of the starters in. Then Gruden's like, all right, I've seen enough. And that's what I said back in 2019. And it doesn't feel like he's played in the preseason since then. I don't think he has. So, Seeing this is brand new, but then Josh McDaniel saying after the game that he likes to give all his running backs some playing time in the preseason. He likes to see what they're made of. So um, I'm not going to I'm not going to read too deep into it. I'm going to think more that it's just Josh McDaniels trying to get a feel for this new offense, and this new team that he has. So I'm not going to make too much of it. I mean, are you are you going out there like, ooh? well, ooh, no, controversy. I mean, I would go. <laughs> That's something I would do. But I, I I thought it was interesting, and I wouldn't put any anything to it if they did not decline his fifth year option. Mm. And they do have a plethora of running backs right now, and Brandon Bolden, Kenyon Drake, uh, who else they got? Um, some other running backs. Oh, uh, Amir Abdullah. Amir Basically, Abdullah, yeah. if we know anything about Josh McDaniels and the Patriots, they love to throw the ball to their running backs. Yeah, that is Tom Brady's safety net. And that's something that's probably going to be um, incorporated in the Raiders offense. Now, Josh Jacobs is capable of catching passes. We saw it at Alabama, but he hasn't done it a lot in his Raider career. No. So when I saw that, I was like, that is interesting considering that no one plays in the preseason, let alone Hall of Fame game, extra preseason game. We'll see if Josh Jacobs plays more. But I saw my guy, John Middlecoff, and you actually saw him at training camp, I think, last week, right? Yeah, a couple of times. Also referencing way too much of this podcast, but did see him tweet out, is Josh Jacobs going to get traded before week one? And I tweeted back at him saying he could just be proving himself to Josh McDaniels. He said the writing was on the wall as soon as they declined his fifth year option. I don't know if I agree with that, but I will say that I would not be the least bit surprised if they are showcasing him to either be a part of the Raiders team or be a part of somebody else's team. I could see them seeing Josh Jacobs and being like, he doesn't fit the offense going forward. We do want to throw the ball a lot more, and we don't need a bell cow running back. Right. Not to say that Josh Jacobs could be used that way, but I don't know. I'm. It's intriguing. That could just be the way Josh McDaniels rolls, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they want to get some value for him if they realize that they're not going to bring him back next season. Yeah, I um, I – do think that uh, I do think the writing's on the wall. I I really don't expect Josh Jacobs to be a part of this team after this year. It's so hard to pay a running back, <laughs> like just yeah. having to pay them anything after their rookie contract. Like a guy who impressed, I thought he looked pretty good was Zamir White out of Georgia. Yeah, forgot um, about him. Yep, 
the fourth rounder. He had 11 carries for 52 yards. I want to see a little bit more of him. Um, I think for this season that they're, I mean, as long as they stay healthy, like this is my favorite number two to Josh Jacobs right now. Like Zamir White looks really, I know it's just one preseason game. Um, and I was really looking forward to Kenyon Drake last season, but you haven't really seen that definitive number two role. Like after Josh Jacobs without was out, it's just like, all right, what do, what do they have here? Um, so I'm curious to see what Zamir White does for the rest of the season. And if he, if he goes out there, shows out, they're probably going to think, you know what? We don't need to pay Jacobs. Like we don't need to pay a running back, the type of money that he's going to be looking for. And really, I don't know who will. Like running backs are just, I don't know. Yeah. I think teams are just so hesitant to pay him nowadays because seeing what's happened with, I don't know, Todd Gurley, seeing what's happened with, um, I mean, Zeke hasn't really been the same ever since he got his big contract. Like Christian I don't McCaffrey. Know, yeah. It's a total risk paying these guys. So I, w- I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. I love Jacobs to play on this team and love for him to stay. But uh, if Zamir White goes out there and shows that maybe he's the better long term option, then I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. I wouldn't be shocked either. We could see what happens in this NFL uh, preseason. Um, so I watched all of the game, and nice. it wasn't so much like I need to be like breaking down everything. How's the backup offensive guard doing? All that shit. Wasn't watching for that. <laughs> I just want to watch football again. I miss it so much. I can't wait for this season. And it was also nice just watching an NFL preseason game and not having to do a highlight for it. So I just wanted to soak that in. But, and you're going to hear me say that a lot during preseason because, God, it was hell. But let me just say, I know it's just the Hall of Fame game. I know it's preseason. It meant something to Josh McDaniels because he's from Cannon, Ohio. His father was there. His mother was there. And it was a homecoming for him. I don't like there was a lot of hot takey bullshit the next day after just the Hall of Fame game. I saw Skip Bayless go on the next day and say that the Raiders are going to win the division and Derek Carr is better than Justin Herbert, which is just an asinine statement to make. Skip said that Skip said that he said Derek Carr after watching the pre after watching the Hall of Fame game, which did not feature Derek Carr. He said that Derek Carr is better than Justin Herbert. And listen, you and I, you know, we try to support Derek Carr. A lot of Raider fans don't like Derek Carr. I'll be the first to admit. You'll be the first to admit. Justin Herbert is ten times better than Derek Carr. Let's let's relax there. Well, not ten Skip. times. Not ten times. I mean, yeah, right. That's a little. Now that's a little asinine. Not ten times better. Herbert's still All right. He's better. Ten times semantics. He's just better than Derek Carr. Yes. Yes. He okay. Is. Yes. But I will say this: the way that the Raiders are going to operate as an offense is going to be interesting. So. They played with Jared Stidham. They played with Nick Mullins. Not that I'm not that I was impressed or anything with the offensive explosiveness. I mean, they won twenty-seven to eleven over the Jaguars. But the way they ran plays, the efficiency of when they did the way they did things, you could just see that they are going to run very effectively as an offense once they get on the field. It reminded me a little bit of Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan and just the way that the offense was moving and operated. It's hard to explain. I, I think even Chris Collins said it at the end of the broadcast where he was like, I understand it's the Hall of Fame game, but the way that they're operating, the way that they're running plays, it's just a different feel. So I am excited about this Raider team going forward in the regular season. I get it. It was not the main stars, but just from what I saw, I was impressed with how the offense operates. So 
again, I didn't. I need to watch a full game, and luckily there's an extra. Uh, that's an extra preseason game that goes along with the preseason. I mean, so you can also I'll... watch an NFL Plus, the new streaming app. Ooh, NFL Plus. I actually, yeah, I renewed my subscription and didn't want to. Um, yeah, it's 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 the same thing as Game Pass. They just remodeled it, <laughs> and I can say that now because I'm not employed by the NFL. It's just more bullshit for you to buy. But uh, did Chris Collinsworth do a little profile on Lester Cotton? Not that I'm aware of. Because that was my one prediction for what was going to happen. If there's anything that Chris Collinsworth is going to do, like I was thinking about the game and it's just like, well, what to expect? I don't know. It's a, it's a first preseason game. Like I there's, you know, the five stages of grief. Yes. Yes. So, you know, you always have to go through the five stages of grief whenever something terrible happens. Well, I go through my five phases of being an NFL fan. You know, at first it's, <laughs> oh man, OTAs. Sweet. OTAs are happening. That means you get excited for OTAs. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, OTAs. That means football starting up. All right, let's go. And then <laughs> so you're I'm like, surprised by that. And then you're like, all right, you know what? I'm done with this. Let's get to training camp. All right, training camp's here. All right, I'm done with training camp. Let's get to the preseason. Okay, preseason's here. All right, let's get to the regular season. I'm tired of this. All right, now, so right now, I'm about to be in stage three. I'm about to be in stage three once I'm done with week one of the preseason. And then I want the regular season to happen. And then once the regular season goes through, there's already a ton that goes into the regular season, but by the end of it, it's like, all right, either your team's in the postseason or now I'm just waiting for the NFL draft. Then you get to the draft. Then you're in that fifth stage where it's like, all right, I'm tired of the little cycle again. Yes. It's the whole cycle. It's the five stages of being an NFL fan. And that's where I'm at. But the only prediction I had was Chris Collinsworth is going to do a profile on Lester Cotton. (laughs) It looks like he's going to be their starting guard because Lester Cotton was like an undrafted free agent cut twice from the team. And now he's back. I could just picture Collinsworth being now here's a guy who (laughs) got cut, came back resilience. Yeah. So I don't know. I was just wondering if that happened real quick. uh, I guess Ian Rappaport is listening to us because literally I'm watching inside training camp and on the ticker right now, it says the Raiders are not interested in trading Josh, uh, Josh Jacobs. So why would they? Rapp- I, I want to do it before the season? No, hell no. Yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah, they, it, it could be a, a deadline train, but if they're playing well, then you probably keep them. Um, they did not do that. They did not do uh, Lester Cotton. You said Lester Cotton. Yep, Lester Cotton. I, I'm thinking of uh, who's Cotton from uh, Dodgeball because we we got the we got the Ocho going today. Cotton McKnight. Cotton McKnight. Right you are, Cotton. Jesse and I watched that yesterday morning. The movie or the uh, Ocho? The movie. Okay. I haven't seen that in forever. It's so good. Oh, but I <laughs> Something that we were referencing around uh, the KMBR studio is just when um, Pepper... No, uh, Patrick O'Houlihan in like uh, coming back as like a, a metaphor for uh, Peter. Just he goes, uh, I trust you, Peter. And then it's like an awkward like moment. Bye-bye now. Bye bye, <laughs> bye bye. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Chris Collinsworth uh, did not do that, but I would say he was a little unprepared for the broadcast because there was one point where he was referencing Arden Key for the Jaguars, and then he goes, "Yeah, you know Arden Key, man. Now there's a guy that goes out there and the Raiders draft him, and he, he doesn't really perform well. But then you know he has a he has a season with the 49ers, and then they ask him to come back. So now he's on the team again. I was like, are, are you confusing Arden Key with? He's on the Jaguars now, so he, I think he got, he got mixed up with the Raiders and the Jaguars and everything. 
Well, I mean, I even in the highlights, I think because Arden Key didn't he have a sack or he had a pass breakup or something like that. I something think like did. that. He had a, like a split sack with uh, Trayvon Walker, the first yeah. overall pick. Yeah, and Tariko's like Arden Key, the former Raider. Oh, that's a terrible, <laughs> terrible Tariko. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> Tariko knew. Tariko knew. Collinsworth didn't. Yeah, something something tells me by week three or four you'll have a Tariko impression down. No, I won't. No, I can't do it. Tariko is one of those guys who you can't do an impression of because his voice is just that unique. It's that it's that distinctive. It's really hard to do an impression of him, at least for for me. Well, I mean, we'll hear him a lot more now because he'll be the the main play by play guy for Sunday Night Football. But all I remember is when he used to do Monday Night Football with John Gruden. There was one time where a block punt happened, and he screamed out, "Look out!" Like he was trying to like t- tell like the punter like look out you're, you're about to get, like he's about to save him or something. It was hilarious. <laughs> look out! Oh my um, god. So yeah, the Hall of Fame uh, happened on Thursday. The Hall of Fame game, I should say, and then uh, Saturday, super early. This is actually the first time I've noticed this. It may have been this way back in the day, but I always remember. I mean, working at NFL Network, we used to do the Hall of Fame ceremony. It was a late afternoon thing. So to wake up at eight, nine, and then there's already speeches going on. I was like, oh, shit, I thought it was gonna be later in the day. Yeah. Um, but it was a nice ceremony, um, as always. Brian Young with a just a moving speech about his son, Kobe. Um, Cliff Branch. I got to know Cliff from booking uh, him for my pop show. And Cliff was an interesting character. He probably would have given a fantastic Hall of Fame speech, but. Same thing with Ken Stabler, as we do a lot. Um, we honor people when they die. And uh, I thought, you know, you ask anybody, Cliff Branch was there for all three Super Bowl teams. Um, probably one of the first vertical threats in NFL history. And for him to get that posthumously is just a injustice, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm tired of these posthumous Hall of Fame votes, especially for especially for the especially for the Raiders. It feels like it only happens to them, but you know, I'm sure there's other teams too where it's where it's gone down like that. But I don't know. Just it feels like you're voting them in because if it feels like you're obligated to just because of like outside yeah. pressure telling them that you telling that uh, telling you that you should. And Raider fans outraged that he's not an into the Hall of Fame. I mean, there's plenty uh, of outrage there. Um, I don't know, man. I, yeah, I just wish you would see him up at the podium and have him, you know, present his own bust and everything with whoever was presenting him the award. So I don't know. Bryant Young's though. I did. I did get to watch a couple of excerpts from that speech. That was just, yeah. yeah. The, the word you put it was, was perfect. Moving. It really was man. And dedicating it to his son. It was just, yeah. Emotional, very emotional. Speaking of emotional, I was shocked that Greg Kinnear slash, uh, well, wow, what's his name? God, uh, who, who's the other actor that played Dick Vermeil? I fucked it up. <laughs> Greg Kinnear played uh, Dick Vermeil. Then who was the other actor in um, in what? In uh, the Underdog movie with uh, Kurt Warner. Dick oh, Vermeil's uh, been played by two different actors: Greg Kinnear I, in Invincible, Dennis and Quaid. Dennis Quaid. God damn it! Rewind. So, speaking of emotional, Stephen, I thought that Greg Kinnear slash Dennis Quaid was going to cry during his speech. Dick Vermeil. Hmm. <laughs> that was terrible. Anyway, I was shocked that Dick Vermeil didn't cry at all during his speech. Why? Because he always cries. <laughs> there's, there's not a moment where that man does not cry during a day. Okay. <laughs> How do you know that? Dude, you ever seen him in a, a press conference? He can't go with like two seconds without crying. 
<laughs> I can't say that I know too much about Dick Vermeil's <laughs> press conferences. Dick no. Vermeil is a great man and a great coach, but he loves to cry. <laughs> okay, fine. And he didn't cry though this time. He did not cry. He just like he. I don't think he planned his speech very well. He was just kind of like remembering names, just being like, "Hey, uh, uh, Isaac Bruce. Yeah, my my guy. All right, Tory Holt. There's you." And then, like, he just like, – then it's, like, out of nowhere. He's like, all right, I got I to go. Like, he just ran out of time. <laughs> so he just thanked a bunch of people, then left? Thanked a bunch of people. That's um, what saying here. Yeah, exactly. Didn't even – yeah, didn't, didn't mention Ron Jaworski. <laughs> um, it didn't shed any tears, which I was a little surprised by. And my buddy Joel, Chris, was drunk. <laughs> Chris was uh, – he, he sounded like he wasn't ready to do a uh, August preseason game. Yeah, well, who is? I mean, come on. First one coming off the vacation. Speaking <laughs> of which – the Raiders announced a new play-by-play guy. I don't have his name in front of me. Um, really? I didn't see that. Yeah, hang on one second. Let me get his name so we introduce him properly. Uh, oh, I did see this. Never mind. I lied. <laughs> uh, where is his Jason name? Jason Horowitz. There you go. Um, yeah. Uh, he did. I want to say he did some, um, some Westwood One college. And uh, thank you, Ernie. Uh, got it for us on the timeline there, too. And uh, they announced this, I want to say, nine days before the first preseason game. So that dude had to learn a bunch of names fast with Lincoln Kennedy. Good Lord. I'm sure that he – well, I'm sure that he knew beforehand, though, I know, right? but it seemed a little uh, – you know, you're going to announce that nine days before the season kicking off? That's a little much. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Young, good-looking guy. Yeah. Let's see let's, what his calls are like. Let's Yeah, let's, let, let's hear if his uh, – I mean, I'm not going to say like he's going to try to be my dad or Brett Musburger, but let's. I'm interested to hear what his touchdown call is going to well, be. Well, if he's if he does anything better, learn jackpot, baby. Then you know, we're good. <laughs> jackpot, baby, was terrible. Oh, God, awful. All right, Stephen. So we did our podcast last week, and we were talking about the Niners getting close to a deal with Debo Samuel. And sure enough, two hours after we ended our podcast, breaking news: Debo Samuel signed a three-year extension. For $71.55 million, $58.1 million guaranteed. He makes 24 annually. And it was in the same kind of area as the other contracts with A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, D.K. Metcalf. So your reaction to the deal itself and the Niners going forward with Debo Samuel? Uh, not surprising. I think they got a good deal on it. Three years, I think is the perfect amount of time because who knows with Debo Samuel, the way that he runs, it's such a physical style of football. I think three years is perfect. I don't think three years is exactly the window, but by the time his contract is up and you got to, you know, you, you, your front office has to meet and decide whether you should pay him or not. Well, Brandon Ayuk's contract is going to be up by that time and you're going to have him. Then I, I think Ayuk is going to be like a, damn good receiver this year and that's just based off training camp i know but he looks just so locked in and he's made some unbelievable catches we'll see if that translates onto the field but i like the i i like the contract my question is though is the incentives that come along with it because he can make yes. up to 1.95 million dollars in total uh, i believe it's 380 rushing yards is what he has to reach in order to make uh, 650,000. Then he has to get at least three rushing touchdowns a season to make another 650,000. Or I could be wrong. That might be, uh, I think, I think it's actually 350,000 for one of them. Something like that. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know, man. I wonder in that contract, like, you know, if it, 
I don't know what his how many carries he's going to get per game, and I don't know if they're going to even it out. It's probably going to be less than five to six, which is what he was getting from week ten on. Um, but my question is, like, if he doesn't get that amount of yards, is he going to start pressing toward the end of the season where it's like, oh, you know uh-huh. what? I got to start to get this incentive. I got to make this money. Coach, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. When it's like, you know, maybe you're not running as well. Maybe you're not the same as a running back. Maybe teams have figured him out. You know, maybe they're ready for Debo to be a running back or they can't figure him out because Debo is Debo. And he's one of the, and he's a top 10 player in the NFL right now. I think so all around. So uh, that's my only, that's my only gripe with it is if, you know, at the end of the year, he's not anywhere close to that incentive number. And he's just like pushing. I wonder what's going to happen with that, but it's a good deal, man. Overall good deal. I think it's a good deal. And you bring up a good point, Steven, is that he knows that incentive is in the contract. So while this whole offseason we were hearing he doesn't want to play running back, he may demand to play running back to get his money. Yeah. And he, I listened to the press conference where he laughed at the report saying that uh, I never that never was a thing. I never was angry about playing running back or wide back. He downplayed the whole trade demand thing. He said everything's good now. So I wonder in the end what it was all about. I really do because – Everyone got paid. DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf. They all got relatively the same contract. The only one that got traded was AJ Brown. And he even tweeted about that saying, I didn't demand a trade or anything. I was just, it's funny when the agent for all four players is one guy and he, well, I think one, one guy's out, but for those four guys, I think three of them were represented by the same agent. And in the end, that guy worked out a deal the only one who's not is Terry McLaurin. He's the okay. only one that's not represented. But yes. uh, Debo, AJ Brown, and DK all represented by the same company. Yes. So they all got the same money in the end. So I, you know, and we heard reports that the Niners were willing to give Debo a deal. I, I, I wonder what the whole stink was about. And you know, I think this is a bigger thing of just because Ian Rapaport or Adam Schefter or Woj tweets out this player demands a trade. We uh, manically in the media go, well, that guy's going to be off the team. And of course, in, you know, during the draft, that was a real thing because that's the time to do that. With the Jets having the 10th overall pick and their offer wasn't great, it was the 10th overall pick and then a pick swap, which didn't make sense. But it was a real thing because you're wondering, do the Niners really value Debo? Should right. they get more value in a better conventional wide receiver at 10th overall, maybe with Garrett Wilson? And then sometimes, you know, it's, you know, I guess looked upon as like old school and everything. But when you just tell a player, no, we're not going to trade you, that that's best for business. That's yeah. why I think the Brooklyn Nets are not going to trade Kevin Durant in the end. Right. I, um, well, yeah, I, I think so. And I, you know what, though? I don't buy what Debo's selling at all. I really don't. Like, dude, you unfollowed the 49ers on Instagram. Clearly there was something going on. Like, I don't, God forbid. Well, still though, like that's that's something nowadays. And I like, it's like, I don't believe that everything's just perfectly fine with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Like, I don't believe that one little for, by one iota. Like, I think there was some tension. I think there was something going on. Like my, my issue with athletes and, um, like the way that they approach these things is like when there's a report about them, they always give some sort of very vague statement where they're like, don't believe everything you hear or don't believe the, don't believe, uh, you know, watch your back. I don't know. Something like that, where they'll just put something ancillary on their Twitter or Instagram or whatever, whenever there's these reports, why can't they all like, if, if this was true, 
Like if Debo, if there was really nothing wrong, then Debo wouldn't have been so quiet about everything. Like yeah. I, I don't understand why these athletes, like they could easily just take to Twitter, write out a statement, write out something long, and, and, like write out, you know, like a 260, 280 character thing about how none of this is true. I love my time with the 49ers. I love my coaches. I love my role. I love everything. And hopefully we'll get a deal done. Like why can't athletes be that way? Because it is of, true. Like I, there's clearly something wrong if you're not going to say something. Well, so, it's fine now because he got the money. Exactly. So everything, everything's fine. He's not going to. They're he's going to downplay it. I don't buy that for one second from him. But you know, it's fine. Like, sorry, dude. I don't believe it. The the, the real and I believe I, I agree with you, Stephen. Is just that he was mad in April and now he's happy in August because he got his money. And yeah, what's maybe that? They, they, maybe they wanted you know Lil Wayne to be played in the tunnel or something. Shanahan didn't like the song choice. Because that was the song they were coming out yeah, with, Kodak with in, in the boombox. Yeah, Super Gremlins yeah. was the one. Which that entrance is hard, by the way. <laughs> when Tivo and Treader at the front, with the chain. Like, yeah, yeah, with the chain and, and the boombox, like that's hard. I mean, not everyone's gonna get a you know Derek Jeter thirty for thirty. So no, I sometimes we'll never know the details of why somebody wanted this and wanted that, and it's unfortunate, and we're not gonna know right now. And also, just like George Kittle. Uh, they do the deal right before the season starts. So everyone expecting Nick Bosa to get a deal. Let's fast forward a year from now, and that'll happen probably this time August. Um, or, yeah, this time next year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Steven. Um, it seemed like a lot of complaining for nothing in the end. He got the money, and we'll see how things go forward. Uh, it's not a ton of money. And honestly, if I had to pick between the two, I think Debo Samuel is a great player. But... I kind of expect Brandon Ayuk to do more as a player going forward. So it'll come a point where they have to pay both of these guys. And Trey Lance has already started the connection with Brandon Ayuk and training camp more. Everybody's been talking him up. Kyle's been talking up a lot more how he's improved from a season ago. So it'll be interesting. You know, yeah. I I think that Debo's a great player, but he's a great player because of how dynamic he is and being both a great running back and great wide receiver. We'll see how they use him going forward. Sorry. Uh, the, no, you're all good. Um, but yeah, he got his money now and it's all kumbaya for yeah, now. Um, my question is, and I, I think you make a great point there about IU because my question is like, are the Niners going to be able to run that same brand of football, which is the other team knows what is coming. Like they, like the 49ers offense sometimes is not that complicated. Sometimes they're just going to beat you with the talent that they have. Can they do that this year? Are they just going to, run those simple type of plays where it's just a crossing route with Debo and they just let him, you know, try to extend the field. Like what is, what's it going to be this year? How's it going to look? Our D our off, our defense is going to be ready for him. Like, you know, is the offense going to be the same? Are they going to change things up with Lance? Like, you know, I think there's, um, I, I don't think we could just look at last year and think, Oh yeah, that's just going to carry over into this year. And that's how the 49ers are going to do it. Like they, they're not going to be stopped. I don't buy that, but I do think Brandon Ayuk. God, man, he is due for just a killer year. If anything, like it's hard to not overreact when you're at training camp and you're seeing what he's doing. Like, yeah, he, I mean, he's getting triple covered and he's catching it over all these dudes. Um, him and Lance seem to be really in sync. Lance and Debo, from the minimal reps that I saw, they did not seem to be as in sync as him and Ayuk did. So. I'm I'm interested to see how that goes this season for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be the same old offense. I know Kyle Shanahan wants to run the ball, and he will run the ball, but it won't be just the straight zone run blocking that we've seen in the past. Yeah, I think it's going to be a more dynamic offense, and they might throw a lot more than in years past because that's the whole point of getting Trey Lance. Well, if that offensive line can hold up. That's that's boy. a big question mark. That's probably the biggest question mark next to the quarterback this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, that guy, Burford, Spencer Burford, number 74, the fourth-round rookie, he looks good. Like, he, like I, I go back to the Raiders and them just starting Gabe Jackson right off the rip as the left guard, except Burford's probably going to be playing right guard. Um, but he was getting pushed on the offensive line. He was pass protecting. He was doing everything. I think he's going to be a starter. The right side, McGlinchey, who knows? Then on the left side, Trent Williams and – I don't know who's going to be the left guard. And then at center, you're probably going to have Jake uh, Jake Brundle. I thought that Daniel Brunskill was going to be the guy at left guard, but he's not even working with the ones. He's just straight up a backup center right now. I don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, who's the main center right now, though? Jake Brendel. Oh, Jake Brendel, right. Yeah. Um, And J.C. Treader's still out there with Ryan Jensen having a torn ACL for the Buccaneers. So we'll see who gets him first between the Bucs or the Niners, if the Niners want to go down that road. Yeah, didn't uh, by the way, I randomly saw this. Didn't Tristan Wirfs get like carted off the field? I saw that too. I uh, don't know what the latest is up with him. Uh, we got yeah. some injuries too. Uh, Tim Patrick, the third wide receiver for the the Broncos, is out for the season with a torn ACL. Mm. So people are upset about the Niners having this song and dance go on with Jimmy Garoppolo, but people will get injured, and when that happens, they'll be thankful that that they kept they held on to him. With Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, dude, because you don't think a quarterback's going to get injured at some point? Yeah, well, he could. He could. Yeah. Now, yeah. this whole thing about him getting cut and then going to the Rams to back up Stafford because of his elbow, I'm not buying for one fucking second. No. Um, dude, did you see the video that was posted to Daniel Jones? Yes, hitting uh, – yeah. That, that was terrible. Apparently, he, he is not having a good camp, like a yeah, really bad camp. And that's why we heard rumors. Um, I don't know who reported it, but the Giants are interested in Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, which makes you wonder what you do with Daniel Jones. Uh, I mean, we made the argument before that Tyrod Taylor would be a great backup for uh, Trey Lance, and he's the number two right now in New York if he doesn't beat out Daniel Jones. Yeah, there is a video going around Twitter where uh, Daniel Jones is throwing a pass to the sideline, but it is just so off target that it hits a person working on the sideline. <laughs> Giants fans. Oh, man. It's fun to laugh at New York fans' misery. It is, actually. Yeah. Um, some other news that broke uh, after we were done with the podcast. Uh, we, we knew that this was going to be announced on Monday, and it was announced. Deshaun Watson gets six games. Sue Robinson thought was a appropriate suspension, even though she said it's the most egregious case that she's seen uh, while doing, you know, suspensions for the NFL. And so we were wondering, you know, there was a lot of outcry of, you know, is this, um, you know, an appropriate suspension? And um, it's not. Uh, we, we are basing this off of years past where Ben Roethlisberger got six games for his, I want to say it was two accusers, but a lot of people are saying it was, it was one. Right. Um, Zeke Elliott getting six games for his transgressions. Um, There's 24 women we're talking about here, all having a similar story with Deshaun Watson. 
And whether or not it was actually rape, uh, in the end, it's a reported disgusting act. So I didn't think it was appropriate suspension, although I was not surprised by it at all. Um, but, uh, the NFL then a couple days later appeals the suspension, which is just a weird process. Yeah. I know that we go from Roger Goodell, you know, he was judge, jury and executioner, and now he wants to have a mitigator in between. So he doesn't look like the bad guy. This is the one time you may need to look at the bad guy. Cause you may be the bad guy, not doing anything here. So now that the NFL is appealing the suspension, now the NFL PA is going to be involved. They have another person looking over the case. They're trying to get Deshaun Watson to have the full season suspended after they offered him 12 games and he turned it down. I don't know how this is going to go. This could be another scenario for Jim Garoppolo to be traded to the Cleveland Browns. If it's just six games, I don't see them doing that. But, Stephen, your overall thoughts, Deshaun Watson from the initial suspension to now it being a appeal for the whole season. Yeah, so the guy that you're talking about is uh, New Jersey Attorney General Peter yes. Harvey. That's who they've delegated this to. Um, so Roger Goodell's just not even going to handle it. He's just like, all but that's, right. I mean, but in, in all fairness, though, I know, you know, we get on Roger Goodell for his past stuff. This is what the, when the new CBA came out, this is what the players wanted. Right. So, right. Okay. So, um, and they said that they want to get this done as quickly as possible. So a new verdict should be coming down. I was just so confused by her statement that judge the 16 page yeah. statement that came out. I read the whole thing. And uh, you did, yeah. I mean, it's only 16 pages, it's not gonna take long. It's 16 pages is a while, but good, good for you, man. It's 16 pages, come on, it's not that bad. So, um, it's a whole book for me, but I was, I was reading it and it felt like the first 12 pages was just, yes, we know that he did this, we understand that he did this, like, this is indisputable that he had done this, whether it's just you know, making gestures over to the massage therapist and having them come touch his, you know what? Like, mm -hmm. it's like, oh yeah, we understand all of this. And then at the end, they say, but because there's precedence, six games. And yeah. six games is what you're supposed to give them. And it's like, what? This is, this, there's no precedence that should be involved with this. This is unprecedented. And especially with the guy in the, with the position that he's in. So I don't know, man, six games didn't feel like enough. Six games wasn't enough. And it doesn't mean that it was right for the previous uh, athletes either. Six right. games wasn't enough for them. Like six games, just six games. I know that's a lot of money, but six freaking games. It's got no be fine. That. No fine. No fine. And his contract is fully guaranteed. So congratulations to Sean. Here you go. Here's $200 million. By the way, you're only going to get a six-game suspension. No, it's not enough. Yeah. No. Like, I don't know what the suspension should be. I personally don't want these types of guys in the sport at all. Like, I don't know. That's just Well, me. the question I have to people, and I, you know, I heard a lot of outcry. Um, Kyle Brandt, I thought, had a great uh, take on it on Good Morning Football. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Bonetta, she talked about it as well. But my question to a lot of people is, what is going to be enough? Because I don't think it ever will be enough. The fact that this guy is going to be in football is going to rub people the, the wrong way regardless. So I get that six games is, is not sufficient enough of a um, punishment. 
But at the same time, if you want him suspended for another season and he comes back in 2023, is that going to be enough? Right. Regardless of the punishment, I always think that the, the league is going to have a black guy with this guy around. So, yep. and, you know, there's a part of me that's, you know, should he never be able to play football again? There's an argument to be made for that. At the same time, I mean, I'm not naive. We've all seen it before. When you can play football, you will play football regardless of what you've done in the past. Um, I don't know what is enough. Uh, I know the league wants to spend him a full season, but there's an argument. You know, I've heard people say that they don't, you know, when the league is doing well and humming and by week six or seven, when he comes back, then it's like we got more controversy. I also understand, and not that I'm condoning this, but I, Cleveland Browns fans have had nothing for the majority of their tenure. Yeah. Um, I guess like the, the, the new Browns that came back into the, t- into the league in 1999 as an expansion team. So when, I mean, it's disturbing when you see young kids getting autographs from Deshaun Watson, you're like, oh boy. But at the same time, you're like, these fans, all they care about is football too. I'm not, not, I'm not saying it's a great look. It's just the whole thing is weird to me. So I don't know what's enough. I just don't think we'll ever get around of the story. Right. And this is what, I mean, the, the Browns discussed this and we're like, in the end, it's worth it. But I don't know if it will be worth it. I understand that it could lead to them being a very good football team, but you're always going to have controversy around him. Well, and also the, the, uh, the main argument, the counter argument to people like me who would say like, oh, that suspension needs to be more, needs to be for a year. Hell, I don't even, uh, maybe for the next four, I don't know. But the, their counter would be, uh, you know, like for the time that the contract plays out. Uh, but the counter would be, well, he wasn't convicted of anything. So what's the NFL supposed to do? You yeah, know, I, and, and, and all this. And I'm just like, I get that. But there were 24, yeah. got up to 26, didn't it? Maybe yes. even I think 26 people that came forward. And it turns out that like 22 of them already got settled. So, yeah. you know, that's what they do. They just come up with settlements and it's just – there's a whole problem with America's judicial system anyway. And it's still crazy that it's Deshaun Watson that this is happening to. too. I, yeah. That, that's the problem I have with all this is that he didn't need to do like the, the, the this, whatever happened behind closed doors. The sick thing is you can't, you can't get around the fact that he goes through what 50 massage therapists. Yeah. And this is, this is obviously for some kink he has. So, um, you are an excess, you're a successful, good looking quarterback. You can have, for the most part, any woman you want, you don't need to resort to this behavior. But you wouldn't think so. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. But yeah, he's still going to be with the team, man. I don't know. I've, I've... Well, you know, it's it's tough because when we get to football and he starts playing, you're going to be talking about them being a Super Bowl contender because he's that good, and the roster they have, they should be a good team. Yeah. So it's 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 going to be something that I'm not looking forward to is that when we talk about the Cleveland Browns being a very good football team, it's going to be met with, he's also a scumbag. Right. Yep. Yeah. So it's, 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 you're right. It's just going to be a bad look all around. Bad look yeah. all around. I mean, like, let, 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 let's be realistic. Is Trevor Bauer going to be accepted in Major League Baseball in two years? Probably not. No, but Trevor Bauer is just going to keep going on his Instagram page and get all his followers to say, like, hey, Trevor, you free Trevor, free Bauer. And it's like, dude, you're a freak. 
you're a weirdo. You're a weirdo. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, dude, stop. He's clearly posting this stuff because, you know, the fans love him and they're going to comment and, you know, give him that affirmation that, you know what, maybe nothing happened and, you know, say that you still have fans out there. Um, but I think there's still a large segment of people who just would not want to see him on the mound ever no. again with he, all that stuff that came out. With a two-year suspension, I don't think anyone's touching him. And, and, no. and how loud and vocal he is, too, it's not worth it at this point. No, no, it's not. So uh, it's that's a very good comparison, though. Two years for that guy, even though, you know, it, it was yeah. still ongoing. I mean, they were just swift. They were quick with it. I'll give them credit. They were just like, you know what? We're going to do this weird thing where we're just going to have you hold out. We're not going to let you play. And we're just going to keep on extending this until we actually come to a conclusion. Then they finally got the two years under his belt. So there you go. Yeah. Another punishment that was dealt out this week is uh, the Miami Dolphins being found guilty of tampering. They get their 2022 or 2023 first round pick uh, revoked. And when the NFL found out and a third round pick in 2024, I believe. So they get two picks scrapped. Um, good luck, Mike McDaniel. That sucks for something that you didn't even do. Um, because of their owner, Stephen Ross, sat down with Tom Brady, tried to get him to come to the Dolphins when he was a member of the Patriots, mm-hmm. and tried to get Sean Payton when he was still under contract for the Saints. I don't think that that's the egregious act. I know a lot of teams that operate that way. It's just not reported on, and it gets leaked out. So in the end... You know, and the suspension part is the dumbest thing. Six weeks for Stephen Ross. So basically he could just go watch the game on his yacht somewhere. It's not, you know, whatever. <laughs> Isn't this great what's happening with the NFL right now? The three biggest stories are Deshaun Watson and the Browns, whether he'll be suspended for even longer because the NFL's appealing it. This whole thing happening with the Dolphins and the tampering. Yeah. And then you got your back-to-back MVP who says the reason that he won the back-to-back <laughs> MVP is because he had an ayahuasca trip and he found love in himself and others. Like, dude, I'm sorry. Well, can we, can we well, go to that? Because that's a little more fun well, to talk about. Hold on, hold on. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the Aaron Rodgers thing because that is – I mean, yes, I hear you, Stephen. Those are the three storylines that we have right now in August. And then as soon as games are played, no one gives a shit. No one cares. But that's and where the not, NFL is Not at. to mention Daniel Snyder is going to – He's like trying to get away from like uh, having to testify for some shit. I I, I lost track on that whole thing, too. Mm. There's just so much shady shit going on in the NFL right now. But then, you know, hey, it's football. We'll all, we'll all just not care about it in a couple. Yeah. Of weeks. Then, we, then you have your fantasy draft and you're worried about this guy getting hurt and, you know, and, uh, and all these things. Oh, man, do I use him as my third wide receiver? Who do I use as my third wide receiver? Oh, man, is this a two tight end league? Hey, who's a commissioner? Why do we have a two tight end league? Oh, that sort of thing. Well, I mean, those are all important questions, but <laughs> I hear you. Um, just as far as the Dolphins thing, though, uh, they did not find anything wrong with the tanking. So mm. the thing that Brian Flores brought up was that he was going to be paid a hundred grand each week for losses. And in my belief, when a money value is put down, saying that you, if we, if you lose, this is the amount of money you'll be paid. That seems like a legitimate offer. The NFL. Mm came back and said this was in joking fashion. Really? You're kidding me? And again, I'm not naive to this too. I I believe that some teams tank as well. Not so much like let's go out and lose the game. To tell a coach that is asinine, but you could set up your roster to not perform well like the 2018 Raiders. 
So to say that's not tanking, I mean, the, when when a money value was agreed upon or not agreed upon, it was just offered to Brian Flores. It doesn't get more serious than that. Yes, that is exactly what tanking is. Tanking is done very discreetly if you do it that in in the way that let's say the Sixers have done, where it's just you know what. We are going to lose a bunch of games to get a higher draft pick. We are going to build a team that can't compete within the NBA so that we can get a higher draft pick and eventually build our team that way. That's how tanking is done. That's how you do it discreetly, where you're just putting a team out there that doesn't make any sense, you know, where you're like, how do they build that roster? How can they be trotting out that starting five? And in the NFL, it's like, you know, the NFL, it's hard to tell when a team is like tanking because the NFL is just so different week by week. Um, you know, some rosters are just terrible because that's how the teams built them. And, you know, they can't build through the draft and they're just a terrible, poorly run organization. But I think that, uh, yeah, it's a hundred grand. It's money. That's tampering. That's it. <laughs> like there's no, there's no if, ands or buts about it. Like you offered this dude money to lose games. That's the definition of tanking definition yeah. of it. Yeah. So that, you know, Stephen Ross, the big slap on the wrist is he can't be around his football team for six weeks. God forbid. Oh, man. This is the first time I've heard his name for like the last two years. Is there really, is there really any, is there anyone really going to miss him for six weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Your, your buddy Joel has a good point here. Isn't that what Paul Crew went to jail for? Shaving Basically. points. Shaving points. He went to jail for that. No, actually, no. He went to jail because he took Courtney Cox's uh, car for a joyride when he was drunk driving. Yes. Yes. That's why that that's why he went to jail. Yes. Yes. Courtney Cox before all the uh before all the uh, doctors got involved. Yes. <laughs> um okay, let's talk about the Aaron Rodgers uh DMT's journey. So yes. And this makes a lot of sense for a lot of shit with him in the past couple of years. He went on Marcus Avery's podcast, this fitness guru in Austin, Texas. I love Austin, but God, all the weirdos have podcasts in Austin now. It's Joe Rogan, this dude. Um, so just those two. Yeah, I guess just those two. <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron Rodgers goes on his podcast and says he had a spiritual awakening yeah. uh, with taking DMTs, and uh, it was just the ayahuasca, the ayahuasca tea that that has DMT in it. So it's ayahuasca is technically what he had. Okay, so what's, what's the difference between ayahuasca and DMTs? Well, you DMT know? is what's in the in yeah. the actual, like, I don't know what's involved with ayahuasca. Like, I don't All know. All I know is I had a buddy in college that always tried to convince us to do DMTs, and I was like, that sounds too crazy for me. No thanks. Yeah. No, I had one roommate in college who did it uh, when he ended up living on his own after he was done living with us. And it's like, what are you doing? But anyway. It's, um, it's, it's like brain fluid, right? It's like a piece, like, there, there's something short. in it. Yeah, very it's, short. It's like a five to ten minute thing, but apparently but like, in those five to ten minutes, it expands your horizons, which makes a lot of sense for Aaron Rodgers. Even though you know the obvious statement is, "Oh, you want to put that in your body, but you don't want to get the vaccine anyway." Um, yeah, that was actually you. Got, you see the comments on that, by the way. Yeah, the com the comments are like you know they were arguing between psychedelics and vaccines. It was hilarious. I mean, I've taken psychedelics in my day, and you know, they never made me want to be a better quarterback. But um, it's just funny to me. Like we've we've gone from 
the days of quarterbacks or I guess I, I know Charles Barkley, the thing was I'm not a I'm not a role model. Mm. But a lot of athletes are. So they'll always tell, you know, stuff for the the kids, you know, you gotta work hard, you gotta eat the right food, you gotta be healthy. And then Aaron Rodgers comes out and says, like, yeah, I take psychedelic drugs and that's how I'm able to be a good quarterback. Um listen, he could do whatever the hell he wants, honestly. He's Aaron Rodgers. Um it's just funny to me like how hippy dippy he's gone with and just like, yeah, I've taken, you know, DMTs and ayahuasca and it makes me feel, you know, a better quarterback. It makes me a better lover. It makes me, you know, yeah, more caring for myself. So it's just not surprising whatsoever, but it's just funny to me that that's, you know, we've gone past the days of, you know, people thinking about the kids and him just being like, yeah, I, I take psychedelics. You should, you should too kids. <laughs> But also, it's like, did the psychedelics teach you that, you know what, you should hold out for a new contract and, you know, for $50 million a year? It's it's like, dude, come on. You didn't learn. You didn't learn to expand your love for other people. You've yeah. been a jerk to the media ever since. Like, it's or like, he could, I mean, he could just not get, I mean, like, basically, I think it just made him carefree and not give a fuck. But I think it hmm. also led to Devontae Adams being like, you do your DMTs, man. I'll go in a little Uber with uh, Hunter Renfro. That's what I'm saying, man. Is Devontae Adams? He probably looked at him as like, you know what? You're not the same guy that it originally. What happened to you, man? Here. What it's happened? Kinda, it's it's kind of like uh, you seen that Key and Peele sketch where uh, they both play Outcast, and Jordan Peele plays Big Boy. He's at a Starbucks, mm. and then um, Keegan Michael Key, who was the MC for the the Hall of Fame ceremony yesterday, which was very weird. He plays Andre 3000. He comes in. He's all like, you know, trippy and dippy. And and then Jordan Peele is on as big boy goes. The fuck happened to you, man? The fuck happened to you? You used to be somebody. Now you're just crazy as hell. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a journey to find yourself. I don't know what it is, man. But seeing that's like, why do you even admit that? <laughs> but again, like it just goes back to the NFL. This is what it is. And also like. I, I will say this too. What he admitted to is not nearly as eye opening as I'm sure it would be if you'd heard from what other NFL players take in order to, um, yeah, I mean, in in order to what was the word, compete, yeah, compete, and just alleviate anything yeah. from the NFL season. Like I think we'd all be, you know, we'd all have our jaws dropped if every single player was telling you like what they did maybe even before or after the season in order to get right, because we'd be like, Oh my God. Cause it's, it's sports tough, man. But ayahuasca is the last thing I expected. Well, not to downplay that because I have heard a lot of people like, uh, ex military Marines, they do take psychedelics to cope with, um, kind of just the aftershock of, of, of being in war and everything. So mm-hmm. I get it. It's just funny to me that Aaron Rodgers, this big superstar just says, yeah, I take him." Yeah. Or he used to, or whatever the hell it was, but explains a lot. Explains his nature and kind of the whole. Uh, what was the thing we were talking about in, uh, in March? Uh, the Pancha Karma. Pancha Karma, where he was pooping on himself and throwing up so he can get his body right. Yes. <laughs> to each their own. To each their own. Um, <laughs> but along the same quarterback discussion lines of controversial things. Everyone thinks that uh, Matthew Stafford's arm is going to fall off because uh, he has reported tendonitis in his elbow. And I don't oh, even know if that's tendonitis even a, that's reported. I, I don't even know if that's a real report because some people are throwing that out there. 
what basically happened was they've been putting him on a pitch count during uh, training camp. It's been a problem all uh, off season. Even during the regular season last year, he had some problems with the elbow. Sean McVay came out uh, the other day and said that it's abnormal for a quarterback to be experiencing this. It's more of a pitcher thing. Honestly, I don't really don't see a lot with this story. Uh, Matthew Safford came out yesterday, threw the ball great from all the footage that I saw. Living in L.A., honestly, dude, I, I keep up with the Rams now. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what they always do. This is the way they operate. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the press conference with Matthew Stafford yesterday. He was visibly annoyed with all the questions he was getting about his elbow. He basically yeah. said, like, yeah, it's something that I've been dealing with for most of my career, honestly. And it's not anything that's going to prevent me from playing. It's just something that I got to think about going forward. But it's not going to make my arm fall off or it's not going to make me retire early. It's just something that I got to think about. So I saw a lot of people saying, like, oh, could the – you know, when once Jimmy Garoppolo gets cut, are the Rams going to sign Jimmy Garoppolo as a backup plan? No, they're not. They don't have the money to do that. They're not going to do that. They're fine with Matthew Stafford. It's just, you know, when you throw that many times, things are going to be weird. Yeah, I, I it's kind of like a, uh, I don't, it's not like a pitcher getting Tommy John surgery. You know no. what I mean? It's just like an injection. It's not like he's doing something that's going to take a year to recover. Um, I think there's as much ado about nothing. I was excited. I was like, ooh, content, finally. Like, something with Stafford. Something's nah, you, going wrong. You pray for the negativity, don't you? But then, like, you know, then you read into it. Then it's just yet. You do that all the time. Well, you have to, you know? And you it, you read into it, and it's like, oh, well, this is much ado about nothing. It's nothing, honestly. <laughs> like, it, you read, you when you really read into the facts, God, it, these headlines, man, that's I why. Know. I guarantee you, like the people who are coming up with, oh, well, Jimmy Garoppolo, could he back him up if Stafford's not able to go? I guarantee you they didn't read the report or didn't look into it at all. I guarantee that because when you look at it, it's like, oh, well, you know, the elbow injury, maybe it's significant, but um, maybe it's not (laughs) once you you really think about it. It's not significant. I, I, I think it's nothing, honestly. Okay. well, you know what I do think is significant, though? What's that? Everything going on with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Lay it on me just way too everything is just way too uh turbulent within that within everything that's going on with the cardinals so i go back to the seahawks right by the way do you you think that carla murray studied for his covid test (laughs) good one stole stole that line from adam copeland anyway but um what happened with the seahawks with russell wilson after that year and the report that came out that there's friction with him and the Seahawks and, you know, all, all this stuff that he's not okay with the team and that he's going to give it one more year. Then last year, we saw what happened. Seahawks not nearly as good of a team. They didn't build that roster. Then they said, you know what, we're not going to trade him. We are all we are not in the business of trading uh, Russell Wilson. Then they end up trading him to the Broncos two days after Pete Carroll said that. Um, you knew something was up there no matter how much they try to downplay it. Uh, with the Cardinals – even though Kyler got his extension and everything that happened with the independent study addendum, even though it was revoked and they said that it was misrepresented by the, by the, by the masses that everyone had a, the wrong interpretation of what it meant, but Mm. we know what it meant. It meant that he wasn't studying enough. Like that's, that's just what it was there. It just so happened that Ian Rappaport shout out to him for doing the digging was able to find, that independent study addendum in the contract. He read through it, something we're not willing to do. So once it got reported, okay, they're going to revoke it so they don't get the bad publicity. 16 pages. It was time for that. But then I see this Cliff Kingsbury thing. 
and Josh Weinfuss of ESPN. Oh, name. I asked Cliff Kingsbury about having Kyler Murray call the plays via radio on Saturday, because I guess that's what uh, Kyler Murray did. He called the plays, um, and he was doing that through the radio. And Cliff uh, Kingsbury said, I just wanted him to know that, hey, this shit ain't easy. Every now and then, he starts shaking his head when I'm calling it in there. I'm like, all right, go ahead, big dog. <laughs> the hell? Yeah. Look, man, I don't know what... I don't know what's been going. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what the relationship is. I don't know if Cliff, because that, that sounds like honestly that could that could go one of two ways. That could sound like a head coach who's very frustrated with his starting quarterback and wanted to let him know that hey, maybe my job's harder than you're making it out to be. Or two, they sound like brothers who are fighting. <laughs> they really sound like brothers who are bickering. So yeah. I don't know what their relationship is like, but. And I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury had anything to do with that independent study addendum, but when I'm seeing that happen with a, a head coach in the quarterback, go ahead, big dog, call the plays. Shit ain't easy. Try it. Like what? Yeah. Like, those two things coming into, and then it's like, and, and I guarantee you it was, I'm actually not going to guarantee it. This is just total speculation on my part, but like, <laughs> Kingsbury's probably thinking, you know what? You didn't study enough film. Like, I'm going to put this. I I agree with this independent study addendum because you don't know what's going on with the play calling that I'm doing. You don't understand what I'm doing. So I'm going to make you do this on Saturday. Just the whole thing is is mucky, very mucky. Right oh, now. it's it's a it's a mucky situation. And um, I think it was probably the most begrudgingly contract ever given out where they probably didn't want to do this, but because of what Kyler Murray means to their franchise right now, they did it because they can't go back on the fact that they drafted Josh Rosen one season and then traded him away to get Kyler Murray. And yeah, it just, I don't know where this goes. Um, I don't think that they're going to be as good as they were a season ago. Uh, unfortunately, they had a bad situation with their running backs coach being arrested. Uh, Marquise Brown got arrested this week earlier. Uh, yeah. he, he was speeding, trying to get the training camp on time. He got arrested for it, which is crazy. He, he I guess, was going at obscene uh, amount of, uh, you know, fast. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's not a good situation with the Cardinals right now. I don't know how they're going to fare this season. Speaking which... of uh, speaking of that, um, there was, you know, the lineman Rich Ornberger who used to play for the Patriots? Yes, just actually just got done texting him. What? He's coming on our show tomorrow. Oh, nice. So, well, why'd you do that? Why'd you, why'd you have him come on the show? What's the, what's because the of the story you're about to tell? We played it on the show on Friday. It is hilarious. So also he's in San Diego and he knows about Juan Soto. So I was driving a Chevy Tahoe. This is him. And it says I'm this late already. Story. This is talking about going to practice. This is, this is back when he was a Patriot and he was trying to get to Patriots uh, practice on time. And he was so afraid of being cut that he intentionally rear-ended a van <laughs> when he was A church van. Away. A church van. Says he was driving a Chevy Tahoe and says I'm late already or I'm gonna be. I'm like five minutes to being officially late and I've got a 15 minute drive ahead of me. I had this sinking feeling in my stomach I'm gonna get cut. And I'm cruising down this slight sloping hill that brings you to the first traffic light that I have to turn right to get to the stadium for the morning meeting. I see a church van in front of me that's all dinged up and it's got the black smoke coming out of the exhaust pipe. And I'm just like, I'm just going to hit this car. <laughs> so he did. 
He did because he was so scared of what was going to happen to him if he was late to a Patriots training camp where he was just a fringe player. He thought that he was, his career was going to end and Bill Belichick was going to cut him because there have been instances in the past. We were talking about it um, on the show. Uh, there was a snowstorm like 10 or 15 years ago, and a lot of Patriots players showed up late. Adelius Thomas, Rand, uh, Randy Moss, and Bill Belichick's response to all of them was, go home, you're late, I don't want you around. Oof. And they were like, coach, it was a snowstorm today, what do you want us to do? And his response to them was, should have planned ahead, look at the weather report. <laughs> they oh made them all go home. <laughs> God, that's crazy. So the the Ornberg story, I think, ends with um, him getting to Patriots practice and them saying, well, that's unfortunate about the car accident. Let's see the car, though. They inspect his car, see the dings, and go, okay, understandable. But this shit doesn't fly here. They kind of they understood, like, you're already late. You're trying to get away around it. And to his credit, Rich paid the guy that he hit, like, 300 400 bucks to be on his way it was going to cover everything with the accident but he thought it was best rather than be late just to hit another car <laughs> i mean you gotta do what you gotta do man if you can if you feel like you can make that amount of money or make a good amount of money doing it shoot that'd be worth it i, I guess or you just don't want your career to end and you gotta look for another job which right we all know sucks so right Hey, we all do crazy things sometimes. But yeah, that, I heard that story this week and it was hilarious. So, um, random other thing from the NFL, and this just got reported from random Florio this morning. Oh, your buddy. Actually, when we act, when we started, uh, when we started this podcast, NFL quietly tweaked lowering of the helmet rule in 2022. Yeah, I saw that. So, the 2022 rule book has come out, and the rule is. That if it is a foul, if a player lowers his head and makes forcible contact with his helmet against the opponent. So originally it was the word initiate instead of forcible. So it is a foul if a player lowers his head and initiates contact with his helmet against the opponent. So what does this even mean? Does this mean anything? So if they are saying it's forcible. Basically what that means is, is they're going to let it go a little bit this season. Well, that's a good thing. You know what? Cause these, the, the lowering the helmet, like these calls, they've just been so egregious. Like we already saw it in the hall of fame game. First right? game, Trayvon Walker. Uh, what was it? Uh, Jared Stidham. roughness. Yes. On yeah. Jarrett Stidham. And it was already BS. So yeah. hmm. first play out the gate. All right. Well, there but you good, go. Good, good play by Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Cole catching that, uh, that ball that fluttered up in the air. Cleveland Cole his only reception of the game. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh, yeah. interesting to see what they do with the, I guess, the third receiver on the team next mm-hmm. to Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. You got a lot of options there with Demarcus Robinson, Matt Collins, Tyron Johnson, mm-hmm. and uh, Keelan Cole. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see, man. We'll see. No, no, it's there. Whatever. Who cares? They're, they're all backups. Devontae Adams. I want to see Devontae. Yeah. It's but you got, Devontae. you got to have a, th- I mean, in the NFL now, you're going to have a three. Re- I mean, basically to, uh, to Darren Waller is going to be that third receiver, but yes. you do need, well, you know, you, you, we said it before you get, you got, you got the big superstar Devontae Adams. You got the slot white guy and Hunter and uh, Hunter Renfro. 
who's the third guy going to be in that three receiver set? You could make a case that third wide receiver is going to be the fifth most important receiver on that team. Devontae, Hunter, Waller, whoever the running back is. Yeah, you're right. And that receiver. <laughs> I mean, Foster Moreau could get more catches, honestly. Which is crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Man. Juan Soto. The sweepstakes ended last trade deadline, and it was no surprise. We heard about this team for a while, probably since the beginning of the rumors of uh, them of the Nationals wanting to trade him. He gets traded to the San Diego Padres, and who was it? Eric Hosmer that was uh, putting a stink up about not wanting to go to the Nationals. So in the end, he gets traded to the Red Sox. Yeah. Didn't didn't squander the deal. Still went through. So Juan Soto is added to that already stacked San Diego lineup that's going to have Tatis coming back with Manny Machado. And then a lot of Giants fans look around like, what the fuck? And I know a lot of people didn't expect the Giants to trade for him in the end. But then at the deadline, they trade away Darren Ruff. They get J.D. Davis back. They traded away guys that never even played on the team. You're a Giants fan, Stephen. What was your reaction to not only Juan Soto joining the division, but the Giants not doing a lot? not trading away Rodon or Jock Peterson, just staying pat. Now, let me give you, uh, let me give you the full play by play of give me what, the play I was, play. what I was doing the first day after Juan Soto or the, the day of Juan Soto's debut. So giants and Dodgers were playing at like six 45. And I think that, uh, I think the Padres and Rockies started at six 40. So I decided to turn on the Padres and Rockies game just to watch the reaction to Soto's debut and everything. So it's the bottom of the first. I'm watching Soto's first at bat. Soto gets on with a four-pitch walk. Dude didn't want any part of him. Then coming up next is Manny Machado. Manny Machado, Chad Cool was the pitcher. Manny Machado crushes one to center, gets a set, gets a double out of it. So it's runners on second and third already with no outs. And I'm like, shit, man, this is really what we're going to have to deal with, isn't it? And then... Josh Bell comes up, who was also acquired in the trade, who, oh, yeah, was hitting 310 and had 20 jacks. Um, Josh Bell comes up and gets walked. Then it's bases loaded. Then after that, Jake Cronenworth, who was one of their young up-and-coming players, along with Tatis, he was a Rookie of the Year candidate. Did he win Rookie of the Year? I don't remember, but anyways, really good player. Cronenworth gets hit. One run scored. Bases loaded. One nothing. Then they bring in brandon drury who is having this just awesome season with the reds i currently have him on my fantasy team so i've been keeping track with him or a track of him picked him up as a free agent early in the year because he was hot and he just hasn't cooled off um brandon drury gets on hits a hits a shot to left and they have a fit it's a grand slam slam diego they call him slammed in drury the padres crowd is going insane just absolutely nuts at petco park and then i turn on the giants game Turn on the Giants game after hearing the crowd, the announcers, Soto, the excitement, everything. Then I turn to the Giants game, and I'm not kidding. This is exactly this is exactly what I heard as soon as I swept it over. And belt strikes out to end the inning. Top of the second coming up. Nothing, nothing ball game. Dodgers, Giants. <laughs> it's like, dude, I just watched these guys score five runs, and it was like, the greatest debut game for players who have been traded ever. It's like the first time in history that each player that had been acquired, uh, got multi, uh, had a multi hit game. So I guess all of them did, which is crazy with Drury bell and uh, Soto. But then that's number one, number two, 
went to the Giants Dodgers on Thursday, Derek. And I'm sorry, I'm a little long winded here, but I'm storytelling. All right. Give me a little bit. Hey, man, I'm Greg's son. I'm used to long winded. Go for it. So Thursday, go to the Giants Dodgers game. Three guys sitting in front of us. Got a Dodger fan wearing a Betts jersey. Got a Giants fan. Got a Padres fan. Then also another friend who just wasn't a fan of any. Uh, uh, he was just a fan of baseball by the look of it. He didn't have a he didn't have any affiliation, no, no fandom to a team. But as the Giants are like trying to stay in this game, but they aren't. Their pitcher gets taken out, Jacob Junis, after like throwing 79 pitches. I think it was like three and a third. And then John Brebia comes in and gives up two runs instantly and the leads extended. We're all just sad. But I'm just seeing the Dodgers and the Padres uh, fans both high-fiving together and just laughing as the Giants fan is sitting there sulking in misery. The Padres fan at the game? Yeah, I don't know why. Jesse yeah, was very funny. confused too. Uh, but they were just high-fiving each other and laughing as the Dodgers just hit another home run with Mookie Betts in a Giants-Dodgers series as they go on to lose their eighth straight against that team. I was like, dude, this is exactly how it's going to be for the next five years at least, unless Farhan does something magical. You know, like this process that he has, I get it. I think it does work, but not when the other two teams in your division are going against that and spending and making big trades to bring big names over to their teams. So you got to compete. I, I don't know what the plan is for Farhan here. Um, was a little surprised that he didn't unload Rodon. I thought that Rodon was going to get a lot in return for him, but if he doesn't pick up his player option, I'd hope there'd be something in there where he's like, ah, oh, well maybe he could pick it up. You know, but I uh, we we have Farhan on the show. He expects Rodon to not uh, pick up the option. So what is his plan? Have you guys asked him like straight up? Hey man, yes. what are you thinking? Yes. So um, after no deals were made and supposedly Rodon was on the table to go to the Phillies or the Cardinals, and in the end, they just didn't think that the compensation was enough. Hmm. So then we were going to we went to the public house actually on uh, Wednesday. Um, did a live show. Had Dave Fleming stop by, talk about Vince Scully, and we'll talk about him later on. It was a great time, and we were expecting Farhan to join us on the patio. Did not happen. He ended up calling in, and Copes asked him straight up, how do you want to operate going forward, knowing what you just said, Stephen, that the Dodgers and Padres go about business a different way than you? And Farhan said, we have to, re -look, we have to rethink things. In the offseason, we have to rethink things about how we handle it as a business. We understand that that's the way we've operated for so long, or at least during my tenure as Giants, you know, president of baseball operations. But when you have to go up against teams like that that are, you know, going L.A. Rams style and just fuck them picks, let's get as much talent as possible on the team, then you have to rethink things. And I do believe that Juan Soto was never really going to be a big thing because he values a lot of those prospects. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Harrison, I don't know the other names, but Farhan's a prospect guy. I think you're going to see a lot of changes with the Giants next season, but I am, would not be the least bit surprised if they are in the running for Aaron Judge or another big name. Yeah, you know, um, you watch any of the captain? I've been watching it all, man. So the latest uh, talks about the contract extension for Derek Jeter and yes. them offering him $15 million a year, or and uh, he thinks that was insulting and that they didn't feel like they deserved anymore. I, won, I couldn't help but think about Aaron Judge, too. Just him's time with the Yankees. Like, if he's expecting to be paid a certain amount, like Cashman seems like a pretty stubborn guy. 
yes. where he'd just be like, you know what? We don't think you're worth that amount, man. Like we don't, we just don't. So you know what? You could go test the market elsewhere. Like what if it's the same sort of situation as it is with Jeter as it is with Judge this offseason? It's like we're it's just okay. I, yeah. I, 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 also, I also want to be surprised if Aaron Judge resigns with the Yankees because he still could play. Now, during that time you're talking about in the captain, Derek Jeter was on kind of the downward slope of his career sure. and he wasn't playing as well as a shortstop. They told straight up to his face that they'd rather have Haley Ramirez. But if we have to settle on you, we'll settle on you. And that pissed off Derek Jeter. And even though he signed the contract, he says in the documentary, I never looked at Cashman the same way again. Right. But he knew his career was going to be over in three years. So Aaron Judge most likely is going to be AL MVP. And if it's just a matter of how many years you're going to give him, I think they cave and give him a big contract. But that being said, if you know it's too late already and he's pissed with what the way that the Yankees have handled this whole situation he could just tell them fuck you i'm signing with the giants and it sounded that way when he did that interview before the home run derby and he was telling the small kid you may have to root for another yankee going forward <laughs> it was truth i mean i i i liked it uh who was the woman that asked him that question she put him in a weird spot but marley rivera marley rivera yeah yeah, um, so I understand Giants fans are upset, but at least you're not the A's. And you won that game going away yesterday, 7-3. Well, you know what, though, man? Like, I'm tired of A's fans making this excuse like you're turning into the A's. Like, your team had two straight 97-win seasons and couldn't do anything with it. It's not because you didn't have the stars and weren't willing to pay your stars. They just didn't do anything when they won. <laughs> like, yeah, but if those guys are They also superstars. don't give a lot of time to win. What? The A's don't give a lot of time to win. No, no, that's true. And I'm not I'm not disputing any of that, but it was at least two straight 97 win seasons. Like I if that happened with the Giants and you had let's just say this. Let's just say the Giants had these young up and coming uh up and coming talents here, these prospects that all pan out, you know, and they get you to a 97 win type of season where you also make some additions along the way too. the the, the A's aren't uh, devoid of that. They certainly made some additions that helped their team, um, like signing Chris Davis, even though you know his second contract with the A's was just terrible. When you first signed him, he was awesome. Um, I, I just, I'm hearing so much of, well, the Giants are turning into the A's, and it's like, I get that, but y'all had two straight 97-win seasons. Constant, like, the only problem was, the A's didn't operate the same way that the Astros did. The Astros just had a head start because they were building their team homegrown. It was just a bad time. Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. I just look at that and I think like A's fans are experiencing the struggle right now. Don't I mean, they, they've been good for since the all-star break, but they are, they are at a, they are at a point where they're going to move. So I guess I can't really, you know, some giants fan yesterday showed up to the Coliseum wearing uh Las Vegas A stuff. <laughs> really? Jeez. I mean, it's funny and all, but it's the truth. Like, nah, we had Matt Vaskersian on on Friday, and, he, and he's pissed. He, like, went into a, a rant about how this sucks, and he's a diehard A's fan, grew up in the East Bay, and it, there there will be no A's baseball in, in in the Bay Area and within two years, as our buddy John Morosi told us. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, at least they're not the A's in that, in, in that sense. But... They're turning into a really frustrating team. Like, I know, but at the end of the day, they're also the Giants, so they will operate differently than the A's. Yeah, and it's well, it's not even just the operation. It's also their play on the field. 
it's like my god man like, I, I, at some point it, it stops becoming like the front office and the coach's fault and it you turn to the player and you're just like how do you not like Luis Gonzalez for example that run from second to third in that one game um whichever game where they didn't score from the bases loaded uh when he runs from second to third and his reasoning was I didn't think Betts was going to catch that ball and he was ta- he he was you know creeping toward third he was like halfway down the line but it's like dude in your head how can you not think Betts is going to catch a ball like catch anything that's out there yeah. like if he's going to dive for it then I understand but he's running in and catches it standing straight up little plays like that throughout the season, which make you think like, my God, like it, at some point you stop blaming the front office and the coaches. It's like, it's on the players. Like it should be on you. Coaches can only do so much. They can't teach you fundamentals. They shouldn't teach you fundamentals. Is how ridiculous I was an angels in the outfield to that player. who thought fundamentals in the middle of the season. <laughs> and Knox is like, yeah, we're going to go back to fundamentals. Good times. I just hope the gate Cal had a good time at uh, outside lands. Did he go? He, he did. And, uh, <laughs> They asked him, uh, so uh, what, are, what are you doing in your day out? And he's just like, outside lands. Yep, going to be a good time. Ah, love, uh, you know, nothing better than going to see music at a concert. They asked him, what, what, what band are you looking forward to? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people performing. And he goes, uh, maybe, a little, maybe, maybe a little Uzi Vert. And I was like, Jesus, really? Uh, how old Kapler. is Kapler? Like forty-five? Like, yeah, I want to just trying to stay young, man. Just trying to stay young. You know, he's a good dude. He's he a good really dude, is. but I wonder yeah. how much he connects with his players, though. Too. That's the thing. That's like, the thing. You could be, you could be supportive. You know, you can get ejected if an up talks to one of your players and doing it in a time where your team already has the. the he was trying to light a fire under their ass too, though. That that so. that that was a little bit of both of. Him trying to prove a point and trying to do the Steve Kerr thing, breaking the clipboard again, throwing it out of the game. He just wanted to light a fire. Lit a fire under Brandon Belt's ass, hits a double, then gets to second yeah. and somehow makes a home in that inning. Um, but, man, I, I don't know. I, I do wonder about his connection with players. I don't know what it is. I do, too. Um, it, it, was it the same game where Mookie had that celebration in the dugout, getting sprayed in the face with a water bottle? Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I actually I didn't see it because I was at the game. I was in right field. Yeah, yeah. I was in like the third deck in three oh five, and uh, so we're way behind the Dodgers dugout. Didn't see any gesture being made there, and really Harlan Garcia he came off looking like a like an idiot. Really, yeah. yeah like what bit. what are you doing? Why are you talking to the Dodgers bench? Then you see that celebration, and maybe they were offended by it. I don't know. You 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 put yourself in that player's shoes. About. It was just a stupid celebration, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Garcia shouldn't have reacted that way. Yeah, but it's also hard to say because if I'm in his shoes, I mean, you know, I remember people talking trash to me during baseball and I could barely even, you know, I could barely stop paying attention to that one person and always going back to that one guy yeah. who's talking trash on the other team. So, yeah. That being said, man, I mean, the Dodgers are playing really good baseball and they have a lot of guys that are hurt right now. So uh, even with the addition of Juan Soto, they kicked the Padres' ass the last two nights. So... Mm-hmm. We'll see how they go going forward. Yeah, and I know, uh, and I know, I'm not too, uh, you know, angry about the Giants not trading for Juan Soto because having watched that Padres and Rockies game and having watched that first at bat, I'm like, okay, if Soto's on the Giants and he gets a four pitch walk, all right, well, who's coming up next for him? 
Austin Slater in the cleanup spot? <laughs> like who's who's going to be after him? Who's going to follow that up? Instead, they had Manny Machado and Josh Bell, Jake Cronenworth, and then Brandon Drury all to all to follow him up. Who would the Giants have? Hey, we brought up this guy Bryce Johnson. He might be able to do something. He's more of an outfield specialist, but he's not known for his bat. Uh, you know what? Who's coming up? David VR, but he's going to get sent down to AAA in a couple of days. But David VR is going to get his time. We just want to get him some reps. Oh, we're going to bat Joey Bart eighth, by the way. Yeah, Joey Bart's coming up eighth, so he's not going to be anywhere near you in the order. They need to put him up higher in the order, I think. What was he with yesterday, actually? What was what was he yesterday, Joey Bart? I don't know. Well, he, he hit a home run. Yeah, because he's starting to he's starting to pick things up. Let me look at that. Uh, let me look at yeah, that starting they, lineup. They kicked the A's ass yesterday yeah, in the Coliseum. Yeah, forty thousand people, all Giants fans. Ridiculous. Yeah, well, you know that's what happens. Uh, where I guess where where was it? Hang on, I want to look that up. Where was he in the lineup? Damn it! Oh well. Oh, now I got it. Just look at Pavs. Yeah, he was sixth in the lineup. All right, yeah, sixth. It's really tough to find. Is he sixth or is he seventh? What? Because there's so many pinch hitters for this team every damn game. No, he was seventh. <laughs> Never mind. Let me do a little pop culture catch up. A little pop culture catch up. All right. Pop culture. I haven't watched a lot this week. I've been catching up on the captain. Hmm. Uh, yep. Thought that was. It's come down to the end. I guess there's one last episode, and it's been interesting. Um, like I said, not a lot of drama, but there's stuff here or there. Like. I liked in the you 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 caught up right yeah like they got into a lot of the racial stuff with yeah uh, I found Derek that Jeter. really fascinating I, I found that I, fascinating I did too because I'm gonna be completely honest for most of my life I did not know Derek Jeter was black I knew when I watched the documentary he was before that but I did not know as a kid um, he was black just not something that was brought up a lot first so time was, I, the first time I heard he was biracial was because of the other guys. <laughs> Like, oh, and, uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. And he's like, he's a biracial angel. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, wait, he's biracial. <laughs> so I looked that up. So Didn't I know. I, yeah. I learned in 2010. That's probably around the same time I learned too. Yeah. Did, did, did not know that. So it's been, it's really fascinating to watch Derek, Derek Jeter kind of like him more now. I always thought he was just kind of an arrogant guy, but he's not really, he was just trying to play baseball and he's just, you know, living his best life now. So I actually have a lot of respect for the guy. Yeah, it makes you also wonder like what's really happening within these teams that the media is not being able to report because nobody's telling. I mean, it's very important, you know, though, as a as a captain, and that's why Stephen Curry is so even keeled. I know Steph doesn't say much, but um, like you know, he doesn't. He just wants to keep things focused on basketball. He doesn't want to let outside factors play into what's happening. He still answers the questions. Actually, he's he's not like Jeter where he's like. Oh, you know, this is my first time hearing about it. <laughs> like that was that was so good. He had his like go-to lies. Oh, it's yeah. my first time hearing about it. But one of the other things in the captain too, um, God, which year was it? I think it was 20, 2010. Yeah, it was the year after they won the World Series. And mm-hmm. Jeter just goes, you know, I was having a down year. And he goes, I was hitting 270. <laughs> would kill to hit 270 yeah, in today's game it's funny to think about overall great i love that part i love the whole thing with the media uh joel sherman getting new into a fight in the dugout which was hilarious. yeah i saw that saw that that was great um, how about them uh there, there was one part i forget who the writer is but he he said that Derek colorless? Jeter was colorless and they get they, they, they get the reaction of Derek, his sister his father and his mother and all of them are like, this guy's an idiot. 
So in order for that quote to be used, that man had to stand on that opinion and stick with it for it to be used in the documentary. Yeah. And then they showed it to Derek, they showed it to his family, and they all said, you're a fucking idiot. So I wonder how that guy feels about that quote being used in the documentary because it wasn't like some old archival footage. It was a current man, I forget who it is, sitting down for the purpose of that documentary saying that Derek Jeter didn't have any color. He was colorless. Just a stupid thing to say. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just, I, that's so great too. And they're just in documentaries when they have that happen in real time and they just get yeah. their reaction right away. He said but that? Also, she said that? Yeah. But also it's funny though. Like Derek, Derek doesn't care who says whatever. Like Buster Olney at one point says, uh, Derek should have gone to, um, who was the, uh, the manager after Tori, the old cat Girardi. Girardi. He should have gone to Girardi and told him that I need to go down in the lineup. And then they cut, they cut to Derek going, that's a fucking stupid thing to say. Why would I do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we don't think the same way as these guys, man. And then the uh, page six report, too, about the goodie bags or whatever. The gift I, was, I was heartbroken. That's not a real thing. <laughs> do we think it's not a real thing? It probably is. It's It's not so much the goodie bags. I probably don't. Goodie bags is one thing. It's the policy of you leave your phone at the front door so you don't get to take any pictures. I believe that 100% because Derek Jeter is a private, private person. Yeah, I believe that for sure. Maybe not the goodie bag or the gift baskets. I actually need to, you know, I'm going to go back and read that article today. I haven't read mm-hmm. the article before. I just knew, I just, you know, you you see like a graphic of the, you know, the baseball diamond with all the women that Derek Jeter's been with. And it's like, they got everybody, including a DH in the batter's box. Um, <laughs> they got everything. They got, they got 10 players on the field. And then, uh, and then, you know, you, that's always followed up by the report of, uh, of, you know, he used to live goodie baskets for people who come over to his house and leave. Oh, so good. We didn't insinuate that he did anything. Yeah, you did. Yeah, of course you did. You did. You're going to say that women came over to his house and left with a goodie bag. What, what are you implying? He came over to clean his house. No, he's just a nice guy. He leaves people with goodie bags. It's just like a birthday party, like a kid's birthday party. You know, you go to a birthday party, then you leave with some candy and a goodie bag. Uh, Anything else you're watching? I actually haven't watched a lot this week. Um, I actually have been trying to determine which streaming things I actually use and which ones I can get rid of. I just Mm. got rid of Paramount Plus. Don't need that. Really nothing on there that I need to watch. I just literally canceled my Netflix. Um, wow. I know. I'm going to use my mom's. I've already oh. discussed it with her. She, she's she been using my Netflix for years. Now it's time to switch things up. I am going to watch that Woodstock documentary you talked to me about. Yes. But there's not a lot of stuff on Netflix I watch anymore. So if I can use hers, I will. I got to have Amazon Prime to watch football this season. Hulu's coming out with a Tyson show in a couple weeks that I want to watch. Um. So I'm picking and choosing which streaming sites I need. Thank God I have my buddies log in. I, I don't even use Disney Plus that much. I kind of want to check out the Buzz Lightyear movie, but also I'm kind of like, is it that good? I don't really know. So uh, I watched those two things that you mentioned, uh, the Woodstock documentary, okay. which I'm fascinated by, and then uh, then also the Lightyear movie too. Uh, watch that. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. The way they frame it is like this is um, – uh, what's his face? Andy's favorite movie. Oh, and then at the end, uh, and 
Jesse had the joke first, but it was like, damn, Andy, this is your taste in movies. Your taste in movies. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> go pick something else, bud. But uh, no, Lightyear, not that great. Um, I don't know if you want to watch so it. It's worth ahead. just watching for free on Disney Plus, though. Yeah, dude, don't don't go to the theater or anything. Don't pay to watch that. It, it, it wasn't that good. Kind of a disappointment. And then you don't have um, Tim Allen's voice as Buzz Lightyear. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. <gasps> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, the Woodstock doc friggin' just so good. And it, and it, it's just, it's funny to think that the reason that they booked those acts is because they were the biggest things going at that time. And it's just to think like, that's where music was in America in 1999, where we were all just obsessed with metal and rock, like kid yes. rock and Limp Biscuit and corn. Not going to lie. I've been listening to a lot of corn ever since. Um, <laughs> Yes, like uh, all that, and um, they they actually show like uh, they show the crowd when corn yeah. opens up. Like this was the first night, and uh, they open up with James Brown. It was a pretty cool story, actually. Like I guess James Brown um, for Woodstock '99. Yeah, he opened it wow. up, and I, guess I know that. They, I guess they, um, I guess he only accepted like the payment that he was going to perform at before going on stage. And mm -hmm. so the main promoter for Woodstock, like right before he was about to go on, he's the first act and people are already waiting for him. Uh, I guess the Woodstock promoter was like getting into a fight with his manager and uh, his manager's like, we're not going to do this shit unless we get paid. And then uh, and, and I guess the uh, kind of like out of a movie, the promoter points out to the stage and looks like, well, your clients are already performing. And then he starts <laughs> going. So uh, um, gives him a big F you. But, um, yeah, then they showed corn that night and that's when the security guard came in and, uh, started talking about how, like, you know, it was scary. Like it was genuinely scary seeing the crowd move like that. And, uh, just, it was like a wave. It was like a big yeah. wave of just 250 K, you know, screaming teenagers, like just going crazy for corn. Where, where did it take place? Uh, New York somewhere. I think it was. So still Rome, the same one for Rome, 19... Rome, New York, I think. Okay. Is what it, was called. it was the 30 year anniversary of the original Woodstock that I want to say took place in 1969. Yes. And I know it very well because as a kid, I listened to all those bands, but it was a different field than Woodstock in 69 because that was all about peace and love. This was just like, you know, what's the one that the Jane's Addiction guy started? Chris um, Cornell? No, no, no. Um, uh, what was the name of that band? Soundgarden? Oh, no, Lollapalooza. Oh, right, uh, right. That that was like what? Um, was, yeah, Rome, Rome, New York. Ernie says um, that's what the '99 Woodstock was all about. Was just to get a bunch of big acts like DMX, Corn. Um, but my the, the the big thing that I remember from that story is it was um, overpriced waters. You had yes. like twenty bucks for a water, and people were like dehydrated it was like a big scam plus the big thing that i remember is creed played and creed i guess took too long or something or limp biscuit took the anyway the, the point is that creed the lead singer of creed scott stamp scott, scott stapp got into it with fred durst lead singer of of um limp biscuit and all i remember, i always remember this is fred durst coming out going this next song is dedicated to the lead singer of creed that guy's a fucking psycho. And then they play break stuff and the crowd begins to start in, to go into a riot. 
yeah. that's what led to a bunch of fucking chaos back then. Yeah. No, I was, uh, it's hilarious because, well, not hilarious because of what happened, but just watching Fred Durst do his thing. I don't know. Break stuff is just such a late nineties music limp biscuit thing, man. With a fat lip. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. He, I remember uh, that music video. Eminem is in it. Dr. Dre's in it. Snoop Dogg's wow. in it. Just everybody just yelling angrily into the, the guy from Corn's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Davis. Um, what Break was it? your what, fucking face tonight. What did he say? Uh, uh, yeah, he start, leads off the song going, y'all ever have one of those days <laughs> where you just want to break some shit? And then like, and then, uh, then eventually the music starts, the drum starts, and then he starts rapping. He's like, it's just one of those days. And then he starts going yeah. into it. Everybody then, sucks. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, and then, and then what was it? He was lifting up the middle finger and he's like, and he's basically like, take all that negative energy and leave that shit up. And then, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah it, uh, it got a little out of hand. Uh, I watched a little bit of the concert, too. I just looked up the live set and I was just kind of like skipping through and finding some of my favorite songs. And there is one part where I just like happened to stumble on it in between songs. And uh, <laughs> Fred Durst is like going out to the crowd. He's like, how many of y'all hate in sync? <laughs> <laughs> That was a thing to do back then. The late 90s, man. I know. Just, Everybody's it, shitting it, on boy bands. It brings you back. But I, I'll say this about the documentary. Um, I it, The people that were involved, they got them as the talking heads. But personally, I didn't think it was enough. Um, and I know you haven't seen it yet. But I didn't think it was enough of the people who actually went. I think they had like maybe three different people that went. Yeah. But they didn't experience anything traumatizing. Like they didn't experience anything. Yeah, too people crazy. got injured. It was just like, hey, yeah, I went and I saw like they experienced things. But like there were these two guys who were 16 at the time. And like it, I kind of respect Netflix for not getting people who were just there for the narrative of, oh, yeah, this was a disaster. This was a train wreck, as it's titled. Like I kind of give them respect for that because there are two guys who were like, you know, it was the greatest time of my life. And it's the best experience I've ever had with 10 out of 10 doing again. <laughs> like, you know, and it's, it's, uh, and then, yeah, it is really good though, man. It's really good. Is it kind of like in the same way of what they did the Firefest uh, documentary where it was just a point, like it was a mix of like a good thing, but also just a fucking, you know, terrible thing. I guess not with the Firefest. What I would say is, um, you ever seen the documentary, uh, Class Action Park? Yeah. On HBO Max. They have a lot of comedians in that documentary talking about a um, a amusement park in Jersey in the 80s that was known for its crazy rides, but it, it killed people, a few people, a few people, but also a lot of people go, some of the best moments of my life is going to Action Park. So was it kind of like that where it was just like, yeah, it was a terrible thing and people got injured, but it was still a, you know, a great time. Yeah. 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 That's how it was at the end. Um so that was good. And then the boys. I just finished up the boys finally. Yeah, I probably need to get, see. I'm keeping Amazon Prime to watch football. So I may get around to watching uh, the boys. You should. Um, it's it's kind of going for the shock factor with every episode, though. Yeah. It's like kind of gross you out with each one. And uh, this third season, it might be a little too much, um, but it's still really well written. And I think, like, e even as far as superhero franchises go, like, in a weird way, this is like the most realistic one that it could be because. 
you know, like if you're a superhero and you have that much power, there's so much ego that's involved. I know like you have yeah. Captain America and Iron Man and all that, but I mean, you can't tell me that in a real world with how successful and popular that Iron Man was, that Tony Stark is, like he wouldn't be just trying to run shit in the, yeah. in the entire galaxy. Like that's what's happening in the boys. I think it's really well done. Um, and the main villain who the guy who plays Homelander is just so damn good. Although he looks like he has a chew in his mouth at all times. Like that's just how his mouth is shaped. Like yeah. just the underside of his lip. It looks like he has a, looks like he has a dip in like a fat dip the entire, the entire show. Yeah. I wish though, cause I, I kind of get the tone of what they're going for. That meme that goes around of him, like cracking a smile after people cheer for him. Yeah, I can kind of tell the tone of what, you know, like, even though he does terrible things, people appreciate him because he's a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also some uh, symbolism with what's going on in the real world. You yeah. Can make, you can make connections and all that. So um, it's, I, it's like it's a lot like uh, that movie. Um, Don't look up. It's a lot like that. Oh, yeah. Um, in that sense. I. uh Yeah. I, I, I say when social media ruins things like that, though, because even though there's nothing like going on with the plot with that meme you kind of get the sense of what the show is going for dude it's like and, the final meme. <laughs> exactly and you know i'm watching better call saul this season and it's, it's actually one of the better seasons this last season there's two episodes left actually and even if you don't follow the twitter account of better call saul they're tweeting out fucking spoilers before you watch the episode that pissed me off yep yeah yep. do you it know what, have, have, have you caught up at all or do you know what i'm talking about no, I haven't caught up at, at, okay. at all. I don't even know. But yeah, it, it happens every like this thing with Stranger Things. You had to watch it as quickly as possible because you know that if you miss out and you wait two weeks to watch it, there's going to be spoilers. There's going to be memes made out of it, like everything. And there, yeah. you know, like if if I didn't watch it, I would already know who the villain is. I'd already know yeah. everything. Like they're doing interviews. All oh, this is the guy that plays the villain yeah. who they revealed to be Vecna. Like you just see yeah. everything. You have to watch it quickly. I hate that about Stranger Things. I really do. Yeah, that's why. Uh, in two years, when I re up on Netflix, I'll get ready for that final season. Mm. There we go. Um, one more thing about pop culture catch up. I yeah. actually was surprised by this, but I guess not so much because it was just a, uh, such a successful movie. Uh, Joker is getting a sequel mm. uh, with Lady Gaga playing Harley Quinn. Yeah. So I'm surprised just because. That movie was uh, extremely controversial when it came out. Um, I think it probably still will be controversial just because I think people have a problem with the way that they did things in the movie of Kim kind of just being kind of incel-y and disturbing, but also think it was a great movie. I really enjoyed Joker. So interesting to see where they go with that with um, Lady Gaga playing opposite uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, that's exciting. I thought you were going to talk about uh, the breakup of Skeet, Kim, Skeet Davis, Skeet and Kim Kardashian. God, he no, that's I'm leaving that all for you, my friend, because that, that that is your forte. He tattooed her name on him. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you thought that was going to last forever, didn't you? I did, dude. I was like, <laughs> I remember looking at that. They go, "Oh my god, this is this is like uh, this is like that sports fan who's getting a Super Bowl champions 2023 tattoo already." It's like, dude, you got that at the beginning of the season. You don't even know what's going to happen. If you had to put betting odds on, on with it, who's going to be Pete Davidson's next girl? Oh, his next girlfriend? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, somebody popular. I, I, I don't know. What kind of question is that? 
But just looking at the catalog, he he had uh, Kim Kardashian, Ariana Grande, Kate Beckinsale, Kate Beckinsale. Huh. Is he gonna skew older? Is he gonna skew? Younger? I say older. I'm 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 gonna put Jennifer Aniston as the next one. Jennifer Aniston's a good call. You never know. Depends what Jennifer Aniston's looking like. Jennifer Aniston's looking for. Because we all know what Pete Davidson brings to the table. Skeet. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Before we get out of here, I want to end with this. Um, it broke Wednesday night during the Giants-Dodgers game. Uh, Vince Scully. Uh, and, oh, Jesse, Jesse chimes in. She's saying Doja Cat. I don't know about that. Doja, if it's not Doja Cat, I will be upset. Huh. Isn't doesn't we don't we don't know what sexuality Doja Cat has, correct? I'm not sure, but okay. I think she I think she shaved her head and eyebrows, didn't she? Yeah, she did. I know I have no idea. Yeah, on Instagram Live, she did it last night. She shaved her head and uh shaved her eyebrows too. Sinead O'Connor, good for her. Yep, there we go. <laughs> uh Vin Scully. Um, so Vin passed away Wednesday night at the age of ninety-four. And we all know him as a longtime voice of the Dodgers. But you go through the history of sports, and he's on the catch, the old TV call of it. Um, just such memorable baseball moments. Bill Buckner, um, Joe Carter, the home run to for the Blue Jays to win the World Series. Just so many memorable baseball moments. And when you think of a voice of baseball, that's the first one I think of. And it was just so nice because, obviously – doesn't get much bigger than Giants Dodgers as far as as far as a Giants uh Dodger. I mean as far as a Dodger rivalry. And for the Dodger or for the Giants fans to embrace Vince Scully, not get wrapped up in the rivalry. Um, I thought it was kind of fitting, even though you never want to see the guy pass away. But during that series to happen, um, it was just kind of eerie. And just listening to John Miller and Crook and Kipe and Dave Fleming talk about him, I just think it's been beautiful the last few days. So while we've relived the funny memories of Vince Gully, you know, the, the Madison Bumgarner wolf story, him talking about like, there's one story he told about Mike Matheny getting a, a bird shitting on his head. And it's just like, well, the bird bombing made Matheny rethink his life. Yeah. And just all of the great stories, you know, in the past few days between the two stations and 95, seven, the game and KMBR, a lot of people have come on and talked about Vince Gully, just hearing Ken Korak talk about him or John Miller, um, it's just been awesome. And I think they did it right. The Giants waited till after the game to announce the passing of Vince Scully and both franchise embraced it. So even the, the radio booth, um, Vince Scully's last game as a play by play man was in San Francisco and the radio booth in, uh, and, um, Oracle park is named after Vince Scully. Funny enough. So I just thought that was a great tribute to the man who has been so iconic in sports. I mean, he started, in 1950 is when he started broadcasting games. 1950. That's just insane. Like uh, to, to do that for as long as he did for 67 seasons and to think about just how old he was in 1950 to start that out. 27, 28 years old when you're yeah. calling games for a professional team. Now, he was calling games for the minor leagues back when he was 22. So he was, he was, he'd been doing that for a while, but I mean, I'm 29 years old. I can't imagine being the lead play-by-play guy. Now I know baseball's different back then and it was 1950, but still when you're 28, you're 28. Um, 
every he could just bring like a non-baseball fan in and just keep you interested in the game like that's all that the broadcast is trying to do that's what their goal is is not only to you know not only to just call the game and tell you what's going on but it's also to keep you interested and what he and he did that through the vessel of storytelling like i remember the first time that i really got a dose of it because i didn't watch a lot of non-local games when i was younger I didn't watch a lot of games outside of the A's and the Giants, so I didn't hear too many Vin Scully broadcasts. But the first time I did, it was Angels-Dodgers. I don't know why we were watching that game. It was like a random weekend afternoon. We were just watching baseball. And uh, he was telling a story of this Angels player who I guess like his family member was working for the Angels when they first started in their stadium when they're during their opening day or something or when, you know, when they first started playing in their stadium. And I forgot which player it was, but he's like, this guy has some history with the Angels. And then uh, he said his aunt lives in the stadium. <laughs> he's like, has this whole story about that. I was like, how do you even know that? And it's like, he's like, I know you don't want to make any comparisons like for sports to music, but you know, like Nardwar, how Nardwar yeah. just has these facts and he knows things about <laughs> these artists where it's that's, like, that's the only time the two will be compared, <laughs> right? But like in a weird way, they're very similar in that sense. Yeah, where it's like no, you're right. Telling stories about these people. I mean, and and they don't even know how they. Uh, they don't even know how they could. You know how they even knew the story because he didn't. It's not like we talked to them about it. It's not like we sat at. We sat for an extensive talk about it. So I don't know, man. Like, uh, what was it that that Bumgarner story that you referenced? I didn't even know that. Uh, it was a story based on Tom Verducci in the Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Uh, article written a couple of years prior to it i didn't know that yeah. like, i didn't even read the piece i just know it is oh well vin scully told the story like i didn't even give tom verducci any credit for that so yeah i don't know man just everything that he did for the sport just how lovable he was and how welcoming he was on the broadcast just a just a lovable old man when he was on there man it was just, oh god yeah in in the thing that's great when you look past the uh when you look through all the iconic calls because there are so many different ones a lot in the 80s uh, but then even going back to the Hank Aaron home run, yes, and, you know, moving forward to, um, hell, his voice on Twitter when he basically put it into perspective how important this Giants Dodgers series was uh, last year. Like Vin Scully was that guy, but his voice has always remained the same. Yep, always uh, stayed the same. You know, uh, for the love of the game, a movie with uh, Kevin Costner, you hear his voice throughout the movie mm. as the play-by-play man. Um, back to the Hank Aaron home run that that one is significant just because he captures the moment and it resonates today like it did, you know, back in the 70s where he says yes. a black man in the South here is getting embraced and you never would have thought that would have happened. But um, I loved his storytelling, his goofy uh, stories that he would tell. There, there, there's one where he was, t- it was I guess it was the Cubs and Pirates in the 80s. And he's talking about this. This, I guess, this player on the team that he has a dog that had a heart attack, and the dog needed mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. <laughs> and then he 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 finds a way to spin it back together. He's like, I guess the moral of the story is, no matter what happens, we all can be revived and live on. And it's just like a way to like bring it back to like a good yes. moral story. Like you know, he could talk about you know Bumgarner you know, hacking at rattlesnakes and finding a rabbit that survived. And that goes to show you that if you keep trying, you'll survive. It's yeah. just funny ways of, of bringing stories like that together. Did, uh, did your dad ever meet him? Yes. 
Um, nice. I'm assuming he did. Um, but I mean, my dad, you know, loved Vince Scully. He put some, you know, John Miller, Vince Scully. Um, uh, damn, why am I? Uh, Dick Enberg, all mm. in the same category of just great, you know, storytellers. You know, very poetic way of speaking their voices, just the very old school baseball style. Um, Dave Fleming had a great story. Or Bill King uh, too was in that conversation. Yeah, Bill as King, well. absolutely Bill King. Um, yeah, uh, Dave Fleming had a great story uh, where he was. Uh, they said that they talked about it in the post game rap where he was saying uh, he was at uh, when he walked in the bathroom and Vince Scully's there at the urinal and Vince just turns around and goes, "Dave, pull up a urinal." Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. Yep. Fleming told that story on the uh, on the show too. It was great. Nice. Yeah, man. Just unfortunate. Yes. So R.I.P. to uh, an icon, Vince Scully. Man. Way too many of those, Derek. Way too many of those. I know, man. Bill week. Russell last week and Vince Scully this week. So we're hoping we get through a show without having to honor somebody that passed away. Yeah. Well, uh, Steve and I will be back uh, next week. We got to uh, we'll see how much we tap into these preseason games. Uh, if something significant happens, we'll bring them up. But, I mean, we got football to, to talk about, so we'll definitely talk about that. Um, and, yeah, man, it's around the corner. Getting excited. Football season. Let's go. All right. Uh, Steven, say what you always say, my friend. Uh, it's just our opinion, man. Uh,